There is a form of multimedia entertainment beyond that which is good. These games are as vast in number as they are terrible. They dwell in the dark recesses of history, unearthed from the pits of the bargain bin. These are the games of horror. This is Garbage Game Night. Welcome to Garbage Game Night, the podcast where we hop through time, pick out the worst games imaginable. I live with them for several days until they consume me and I start to go a little mad, and my lucky guests here are only subjected to them for a couple hours, and that's what we're about to do here. We're still in quarantine, so we're playing some games remotely on Steam where there's no technical difficulties at all. Um, there's also no shortage of bad games. Uh, so I've got to introduce the panel first here, though. So first, Frank, how are you doing over there, Frank? Oh, I'm doing good. I barely, I barely made it to this in time. I lost, I lost track of time because <laughs> I know I was like, oh, oh, we're doing it later. Oh man, I got all this time. And then I looked at the clock. Oh, I gotta take a shower. I was, I was in the garage, to, yeah, cleaning the garage. To up, take so. a shower before you, before you go to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> gotta be presentable. I, I don't want you guys to smell me through the computer. You know, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't great. So. <laughs> also waiting on dinner. Uh, we still haven't eaten because we were busy. So at one point, you know, I might be. Oh, man. But I, it's not right now. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to keep away from the microphone. <laughs> all right. And then Chris can choose oh, to appreciate that. keep or get rid move of it away later from your in mic post. to chew. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it in in post. Perfect. Uh, Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Hey, no one's ever asked me before. I'm doing well, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just realized it kind of caught everyone off guard there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm doing well. I've been playing terrible games, and my wife the other day thought I was like playing a game for enjoyment. I'm like, no, this is for business. I'm not doing <laughs> this at all. <laughs> so it's not for pleasure. No, not for pleasure. Specifically for, for pain. And I hate it. <laughs> and Hunter, how you doing? Is this podcast already a job for you? No, it's fun. It's fun to do this. It legitimately is. It's, uh, you know, there's time crunches, there's deadlines. Sometimes you stress yourself out, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Well, that's good. We yeah. wouldn't want you to not enjoy it. No, that would be that would be counterproductive. That wouldn't be the point yeah. of quarantine, right? You got to enjoy yourself. Exactly. You got to live your best life. <laughs> I, wish, trying, I wish I man. could go back to like 15 years old, and that that would be like the best. Oh yeah, quarantine because I just would have played like Call of Duty and Super Smash Brothers like nonstop. Yeah, I got back into an MMORPG. Oh, oh man, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I wonder if There's WoW's no subscription that, base has like risen because of I'll all bet it this. did. How about you though, Hunter? You're usually the one who gets to try out new games, playing anything new and exciting over there? Uh, I mean, as you know, I'm currently playing Doom Ultimate because <laughs> you told you me are. to and uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I I've played like... I everyone a little homework assignment. I think I've played like two minutes of this game in the past. I've been playing it for like over an hour already and nice. quite enjoying it. Very simple, obviously. Kind of afraid to learn why this game is pertinent <laughs> well yeah well, since we brought it up um i did uh, ask each of you to either if you could play the game or at least watch some playthroughs of a few videos uh, of a couple different games so hunter first you're you're playing uh doom uh it's called ultimate doom over there which is the bundle together of doom original and all its expansions that's the dos version of doom what kind of uh, impressions you got from that it was a little weird getting used to because there is no like I think it's the y-axis there is no up and down so mm. i was trying to trying to aim at the heads of my enemies <laughs> and right. instead it was just like slowing me down it's yeah. actually i'm surprised at how much there is in it like every level as i beat it it's like oh you've killed 
50% of the enemies and found like 0% of the secrets. And I'm like, I, I thought I like, like pretty heavily explored that and hit right. space bar on every wall that I could find that looked even remotely weird. But yeah. nah, so there, there seems to be a lot more in this game than I had imagined first. And I got to say the, uh, the AI is, you know, it's nothing special, but like it, they, they look at you a, and they try and kill you, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like, a lot of the AI in today's games feels a little, like, overcomplicated or they end up just punching together and you just throw a grenade at them. But these <laughs> right. guys just come at you and try to shoot you. No no funny yeah, business. it's simple, but it works, right? And they'll like follow how... you pretty far. Like, I turned a corner and thought I figured I'd lost him, and now he came up <laughs> behind me and shot me in the back. <laughs> I feel like Demon Hellspawn and, uh, wouldn't have very much in the way of tactics anyway, you know? Like, they would, they would just, just be uh, like, kill, pure kill. hatred and murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tom or Frank, any memories of playing original Doom? Is that something you've ever done before? I played it. I don't I don't think extensively, like not like to the end of the game or anything like that. Like I just, right. I just, I just played it. And for me, when I think of Doom, I instantly think of Quake. Sure. And I played, I played the hell out of Quake. Um, I did. Okay. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. Same, same with me. I, I, I never owned it. I mean, it came out in 1993, so I was pretty young at that point, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I had a computer, I guess at that age, but, um, you know, it was games my father sanctioned. So, you know, I had a couple of racing games and stuff, but <laughs> wasn't murdering any, uh, I don't, I guess you can't really murder hell spawn. You just sort of vanquish them. So Send no, them I, back I never, to hell I never did that too much to be spawned uh, and, again. <laughs> <laughs> to be spawned again, yeah. Uh, Frank, tell us about the game that you looked into. Uh, with my game, I was asked to play uh, the original... Uh, it's coming to me. Don't worry. You're blanking on the name of it. <laughs> Half-Life. <laughs> the original Half-Life. <laughs> lucky. So, and I've never mm. actually played the original Half-Life. I own it. I own... Every Whoa. Valve gave, I think, and I'm pretty sure I've never played it. I don't know. I actually yeah, checked my play hours. I think at some hours. point they give them to you. Yeah, exactly. They're like, like, why don't you have this game yet? Just take it. God. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so already. you know that was that was interesting. Um, you know, because I you know I played other games based on the same like engine and stuff. You know, and uh, sure, yeah, a lot of similar things that, that are engine. inspired by it. But uh, so that was interesting playing the original, um, and I kind of knew the gist of what to do and how it was gone. But uh, uh, the the shooting really, because yeah. you know, it has kind of like a auto target, or maybe I could have turned that off. I don't know. I didn't go through the menu, but uh, auto targeting was on. <laughs> yeah, you that kind of messed me up. Uh, so I was like, I was like aiming, and then it would kind of move a little bit. Yeah, so I got, uh, I don't know. A couple hours in. Uh, no, yeah, you guys, I, I uh, that, that that's good. I appreciate you. Uh, you got got some time in there to, to get the feel of it. Uh, it's important. And the last one, uh, Tom, what game did you look into? Probably in definitely my top five games uh, mm. that I've ever played, uh, Bioshock. Oh, nice. I, I, I love Bioshock. Honestly, I think, I think um, that's one of those games where, like, if I were to ever like make a strong argument for how games can be art, you know, um, yeah. then Bioshock would definitely be one of them. Just like the story. And I think that that might be a little bit of a running theme in the order. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it, but going from Doom to Half-Life, like I remember the beginning of Half-Life and like you, you're starting your first day at work, you know? And then like things right. are getting crazy. And I, I don't know if it was Gordon's first day at work, but it was a day at work. 
Oh, yeah, maybe it was just A-Day. Um, yeah, because everyone knew him. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But I was really just anticipating him. It's like, oh, this is a good, this is Gordon. I've heard so much about Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> no, was, uh, oh, hey, Mr. Freeman. <laughs> you know, or Dr. Freeman, whatever. It's just, I, I think they, it, it did a good job of like building that world. And Bi- Bioshock, yeah. like just, gosh, like even like the first few seconds of it are just the exposition that they give. It's just really interesting talking about like how, you know, creating this world where it's like, I think the quote is something to the effect of um, where a man gets to like keep the, you know, sweat of his brow, you know, and he's like, right. the, you know, the communists say it's for everybody and the church says it's for mm-hmm. God. And like that, it's just going through like each step and he's like, here, it's yours. Like you can do anything you want. And then it's like, just opens up this slide world. Yeah. Yeah. And as it's just majestic, like the whole game and then like the splicers, I think they're called, Mm -hmm. they're running around and like just the atmosphere and like sound is a really big deal in that game. I don't know. It's just such a good game. And not to mention, I want, I feel weird. Like the game's old enough now where I shouldn't be able to worry about, but probably the best twist in any yeah. story, let alone video game, like the best twist in any story, yeah, ever, <laughs> blew my mind for a while. Oh I yeah, enjoyed that story. Yeah, no, awesome. That was a phenomenal game. Failed trying to recapture that. It was like they they created a masterpiece, and then they were like, all right, we'll just use the exact same formula, and it just two falls flat on its face, and three just feels like a reskin. They're like, oh, I oh now you're the one in the sky, yeah. right? Yeah, I loved Bioshock Infinite. I yeah. did not. All right. I thought Infinite. I don't think it, it beat their own. I don't think it, it beat the first one. For, for the... managed to do a good escort or sidekick system, I think. That I, I never once got frustrated that I was had this other character with me the whole time. It was used for puzzles, and I don't think she was killable. So yeah, um, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I ever had an issue with her. No, yeah, I think that was okay. So yes, uh, Tom, as you said, there there is a bit of a theme that we have going this evening. We're talking about first person shooters and how they incorporate storytelling RPG elements. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna segue through this. Okay, I'll I'll just I'll say it like that. But before we get into the game that we're that actually was your playing segue? this evening, <laughs> that's my segue. There is no segue. I'm just going to say Enjoy this segue that I just made um, up on the spot. Before we get into the game that we're actually playing this evening, though, a couple quick things. We played Bus Simulator 2012 and Autobahn Police Simulator. We were pretty delirious by the end of that one with Tom dropping through an infinite death loop and becoming the god of chaos. But, oh my god, that uh, was, was there so any great. Other thoughts on that that you guys had? <laughs> that was yeah. epic. <laughs> I, uh, I actually just re listened. I mean, I listened to the episode uh, yesterday, and that part, yeah. I just, you could just hear how delirious <laughs> and tired we were. But like, I, but that brought me back to just seeing that, and that was the most ridiculous thing. Like it was, yeah. Tom got so close to actually getting back on the road, and he just couldn't. But he <laughs> could go back into the woods. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was, and that's what I was kind of saying. How like sometimes when you're dealing with something broken, it can be fun. I was, yeah, like I was genuinely enjoying being like, all I need to do is get three <laughs> feet onto this road. That's all. <laughs> I, I did kind of have an epiphany about. I, I skipped over a bunch of reviews. I don't think we read any of them. That people, so many people in the reviews for a bus simulator were complaining that people would come onto the bus and block the doorway. And I kept thinking like, we never experienced that. What are they talking about? And I, I just realized that people were describing people coming onto the bus and waiting to get their ticket. 
but because the tutorial never told them what to do, they probably just didn't understand what was happening. So they thought people were jamming <laughs> up their bus and not sitting down. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no. Just an epiphany I had. Oh, anyway. you asked at the end, now this is super late, but you asked at the end of the last podcast if there was yeah. anything that they could do to make mm. make it better. And I realized, I think what would be fun would be taking everything, like the mechanic. I mean, obviously, the, if the mechanics were cleaner, like I know... Hunter could barely drive that thing and it shouldn't be that bad. But if you have like all of those mechanics, but in a, in a world that was zany, some like apocalyptic, like if there were like crazy things happening and like, but like you have to operate that bus just as you would a normal (laughs) bus. You know what I mean? Like everything, like the earth is like splitting open and like crazy things are happening, but it's like. You can't let these people down. Yes. Like exactly like like the Titanic, like the, you know, like the musicians at the Titanic, they're like, we're playing it all the way down. Like just that bus driver, you know, like just. (laughs) So funny you mentioned that after, after I was, uh, maybe it was when I was editing, I ran into this game called Omnibus. Um, oh, Omnibus's no. description is uh, Omnibus is a next to last gen physics game about the most powerful bus in the universe that can't <laughs> stop or even slow down for reasons incomprehensible to the simple mind. <laughs> so, that, that sounds like what you're describing, but it's a very like low quality physics engine that's purposefully like just a, a stupid, stupid running into stuff and uh, destroying buildings and stuff. So, but but yeah. maintaining those perfect like this is what you need to do. You need to collect their money. Oh, you like, know, you have to you have to wait until the <laughs> pressure builds up in the bus to close the door yes yeah everything <laughs> yeah. else you keep the same and like and that way for the people who wanted but it Cthulhu as a job ripping out of the ground I got right you. exactly the, the people that were doing it as like you know a prerequisite to their interview like they'd be able to go in and be like hey you're gonna be able to handle your your route today and you're gonna be like listen <laughs> i handled it during an alien invasion i'm pretty sure I'll be able to handle <laughs> a normal okay. day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and some quick podcast updates. Now that we've exhausted our backlog of pre-recorded episodes and we're dealing with an international quarantine, we've switched to bi-weekly podcasts. So they're coming out every Thursday now. That'll be our new schedule we're sticking to. And uh, yeah, make sure to share the podcast with friends and enemies. We really appreciate everyone listening <laughs> to us talk about a visual medium. So uh, we hope you're enjoying <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this game finally. So we here on Garbage Game Night, we typically go for the more avant-garde bad games. I think for the most part, the games that we've done, you'd be hard-pressed to find them on like BuzzFeed's listicle about the 10 worst video games ever and why you'll hate them. But tonight, what we're doing is considered a classic in the lexicon of bad games. It's often compared to the water world of games. (laughs) So... Frank, could you tell us about the 1995 Kevin Costner film, Waterworld? Oh, no. I'm kidding. You're not doing that. I was going to say I'm rusty, but, you know. You could do it if you needed to. I thought you were doing it again. (laughs) The girl from that SEAL movie has a map tattooed on her back. Oh, wait, but I forgot. Yeah. God, that movie's so Andre. Uh, anyway, no. But back in the 90s, id Software was the developer for first-person shooters, creating Wolfenstein 3D in 1992. Wolfenstein 3D, Oof. was when it came out, was pretty unprecedented. It essentially created the genre of first-person shooters. And 18 months after that, they released Doom, which, because of its gore and publicity and improvements over the original um, game Wolfenstein, it made it a cultural phenomenon and is usually what most people think of when you say, like, the first first-person shooter. Most people think Doom. 
but actually Wolfenstein was technically the first um, by the same those company. Nazis. Yeah, got it. Someone's got to do it. It's tough business, but <laughs> yeah, Doom uh, because of its its phenomenon kind of status, it really you could argue it put PC gaming on the map. Um, and Quake in 1996, as Tom mentioned, further topped those uh, not only by upping the quality of the graphics, but by using the new Quake engine, which gets a bit technical, but it's very different in the way that it was pre-processed the maps. So you were playing in a 3D environment that was already realized by the computer in the Quake engine. When you go back and you look at Doom, like Hunter was playing Doom or Wolfenstein 3D, you're you're not, most 3D games, it feels like you're looking through a camera into a rendered 3D space, right? But those old games, uh, Wolfenstein and Doom, they were rendering the shapes in real time to give you a new view of each position that you're in. Um, that system was called fixed height ray casting. It's interesting to look into if that's your thing, but really it, it, the limitations of 3D gaming prior, prior to the Quake engine were that every movement that you made, every move forward, uh, left, right that you moved, you were re-rendering what your new view was for each one. So it wasn't very smooth, even though when you do like a Doom emulator now, it's pretty smooth. But back then it wasn't very smooth playing it on your, your Apple II computer or whatever, um, because you were re-rendering your new view each time. Wow. Um, and to compensate for that, what they would do was they'd limit h- how complex each new frame draw would have to be. So it was very low quality textures. They would use the fog of sight or darkness so that you can, couldn't see very far in the distance and also use very small, tight corridors. That's probably what you think of when you think of Doom, right? You're all in these tiny little hallways. Um, and the reason they were doing that because they were avoiding rendering these huge spaces. Um, and to me, that's, that's uh, Tom, you said you played remember a lot of Quake. I think that's mm. the biggest feeling that I have from playing Quake is that all of a sudden there's these giant, huge open spaces where like no other game had really captured that in my mind before. So, you know, you had these shooting rockets at each other and flying across the map. That was all new with the Quake engine. Um, so because the map was already rendered, it allowed for faster gameplay because it wasn't re-rendered with each view. So they really leaned into that. Obviously, Quake is famous for super, super fast gameplay. And it was also, you know, by the time Quake in 1996 came out, it was a lot more than the early 90s computers could handle. But id Software was led by John Carmack. Um, you might have heard his name before. He works with Oculus now, but he was a extremely important figure in 3D gaming engines and arguably the most uh, second most notable person at id Software uh, who became kind of a celebrity game designer was a fellow by the name of John Romero. He was a game designer and programmer credited with many development tools in the 3D game space. He had massive success. Once they finished Quake, he, and it was a critical success, but did undersell Doom 2. He went off and formed Ion Storm with co-worker Tom Hall. And what they would work on was pitched as his magnum opus, John Romero Unrestrained. He said it would be an RPG first-person shooter, and what could go wrong? Well, uh, (laughs) I think we'll talk about that as we get into it, but first, let's see the trailer of the game that we're about to jump into. Wow, that's a huge build-up, though. Yeah. Like, that... That's that. Yeah, this, uh, if you had said that, if we were on Garbage Game Nights, I'd be like really excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am. Time excited. Magazine featured John Romero as like he had the Midas touch for games, making Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I just resume. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> pretty good resume there. Yeah. So he he goes off to form Ion Storm, and nobody nobody guesses the name here. 
I thought maybe, I think you guys will recognize it when you see it. And when, and what year was this? They formed Ion Storm in 1997. So let's watch the trailer <laughs> for... Planet Side? <laughs> no. I liked Planet Side. Hey. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just trying to, to get the I mean, Chris, time frame. bad games, okay, bud? <laughs> there are good bad games. All right, so let's watch the trailer for Daikatana. I feel like I've heard this. Yeah, I feel like All I've right. heard the name too. All right. N64, you guys haven't experienced this yet. Yeah, so we're watching the trailer for the PC and N64 version. Oh, no. 24 huge levels. Huge. 64 varied and highly detailed monsters and enemies. I like how long they're staying on those title screens. Original CD <laughs> audio tracks. Dude, CD audio tracks, nice. Who, who would care about that? <laughs> audio files, obviously, because CD's the best medium ever. <laughs> wow, that was kind of... Oh, that looked so quick. terrible. Wow, that was just um, <laughs> a bad trailer, though, too. Like, yeah. And I'm going to send you one more thing. This is an ad that came out. I didn't out, see uh, a single Daikatana either. <laughs> I'm sending you guys one more thing. This is a poster that came out for the game. Uh, anyone recognize that? This poster that we're looking at is an all red with black text. It says oh my John God. Romero is about to make you his <sighs> bitch. I don't suck it down. Don't forget, yeah. Don't forget to read the bottom. Yeah, suck very notorious down. poster. Um, it helps kind seen of that. turn public sentiment against this game. Um, <laughs> oh really? <yeah. laughs> it's, uh, it's a little too big a, for his britches there. <laughs> yeah, it's audacious, I suppose. Got kind of a machismo kind of attitude, but. As we'll say, maybe it's in the spirit of the game, but I, yeah, I think seeing a, an ad for this you just doesn't make you want to play it, really. It just makes you think he's kind of a dick, right? So, mm. <laughs> he did apologize for it in 2010. He said that he saw it and didn't stop it. It seemed like he was fine playing into the celebrity, masochistic game developer that uh, has sort of been developed around him for the sake of marketing. So, Do you think that like the general public knew who the hell he was? Because I feel like they probably didn't. You know, like no. I, I sometimes I feel like like I don't know. I, I think that when they do stuff like this, like they think of like the niche that would be like, oh yeah, John Romero, yeah, I know. Oh, he's the one who, you know, made yeah. made Quake and did all this stuff. But in reality, like I feel like I'd read that post and be and that would mean nothing to me when right. I was like, yeah, that, that was definitely out. it was done in like PC gaming magazines. I think I remember seeing it in an EGM in like 1997 or something. It's something that I, I actually missed about it I, when I was reading about it because like I've said, so much has been written about this this game and this era that there there are thousands of articles to go through and I got overwhelmed. Normally when we do a game, I'm, I'm struggling to like, I'll look up the game, the developer, try and find more information by page two of Google. Like I'm out of, out of information. There's no more information about these developers out there, but this one literal, literal books have been written about, you know, these people and their time working on doom quake and moving on to ion storm. But anyway, what was, what they were saying about this marketing campaign was that I didn't even get that it was supposed to be playing off the the trash talking that was happening in forums and online games at this point. And mm. maybe because we're in 2020 now and and that definitely still happens, you know, bad mouthing in games, it happens, but I, I don't know, I don't experience as much as I used to even 
back in like the Call of Duty uh, 360 really? days. Do you think it's getting better? I don't know if it's getting better. Maybe I think I think some of the gamers who are more inclined to do that kind of thing have their own games that I don't necessarily play. So I, th- I think for a while there, a lot of the gamers who had the worst attitudes, like, well, they were suckered into like Fortnite and I wasn't playing Fortnite. <laughs> and uh, mm. when Fortnite got big, like Overwatch got better. <laughs> so, but at that time, John Romero legitimately created deathmatch style games and he was big into trash talking and uh so he kind of became notorious for that i guess um anyway so yeah they were trying to play off of that and i just yeah i don't i don't think it worked that great because there's so much to talk about with this game i haven't really gone into the whole pitch of it and it's build up believe it or not but uh how does the pitch sound for it having you know the developer of doom quake and uh having some rpg elements in there how does that sound to you guys i love the idea of having the pitch sounding great yeah RPG first-person shooters, those are like a dime a dozen now, so back then. Frank, if you can boot the game up, because I had trouble. Anytime I, I run the game and then try and run it again, I can't because it's already running. Oh. Technical okay, difficulties. We'll find out. I'm going in, see if I lose your boys. And it's funny, there's like no like <laughs> All right. thing. It just brings you right to the the beginning of the like the yes. title screen. Oh, yeah, there's, there's no, no like, credits or anything. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I was like, okay. All right, start watching it. it now. <laughs> Godspeed. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead and start the game. In the beginning of the game, you uh, yeah you can pick Ronin Samurai or Shogun to uh, for your difficulty. Go ahead and do Ronin, and uh, we'll watch the intro trailer here, and we'll just sort of let Frank uh, Frank's playing on a bit of a delay. So once we get past the trailer, we'll just let him play for a little bit. This is like the screen that it opens up to. It has all the options on the side, and yeah, or the was interface there one is, right is interesting, it? right? No, that's that's it. That's it. It launches, and you're right there with this. <laughs> You got ticking on the loading screen. Oh, God. Was Romero proud of it or not? We will get into whether Romero was proud of it. Yeah, the interface, though, definitely haven't seen anything like it in 20 years. Uh, Maybe even 20 years ago, I'd never seen anything like it. So here's a look at our hero. Any guesses what his name is? Good name. Katana. Die Katana. Die Katana. His name is Hero. Ah. No, his name is Miyamoto-san. Or is it Hiro Miyamoto? Oh my god, his head is just bobbing. It's, uh, yeah, it's named after Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario. Like I said, the visitor would not give his name. Donation. Perhaps if you would allow me to explain Miyamoto-san. I feel like he should get shot right now. You know in movies you know right before someone's going to get killed? Right. Yeah, the old man who's dying at his doorstep with a desperate message. I promise you it will be worth your time. Centuries ago, really important plot. Pay attention. Mishima ruled over our people with an iron fist. Osaka Mishima hired a legendary swordmaster to create the ultimate weapon. The Dai Katana was Usagi Miyamoto, your ancestor. Through the power of the sword, he was able to foresee the fate that awaited mankind. That was 1,000 years ago. <laughs> he offered it to the Shogunate's nemesis, Inshiro Ebihara. An epic battle atop Mount Fujiya. It does Inshiro not look epic. <laughs> <the awesome laughs> He's kind of, of whacking at him with a stick. Mishima's <laughs> <laughs> legions. Thousands died on at that battlefield. At least five. <laughs> but Mishima we saw five was finally overthrown. Usagi 
through the Daikatana Lord of the Ring style of the raging volcano. <laughs> so you want me to create another Daikatana? No. What's the big deal? The Daikatana is still just a sword like any other, right? Wrong. Q, Doctor. Mutagenic Marburg pox filovirus. The mutagenic Marburg pox filovirus. Duh. End of the millennium. Are you listening? <laughs> that the Mishima family came up with a cure for the MMP virus back in the year 2030. Kagi was able to travel back through time. Simulated the funds to finance his vast he empire. He fully That's buys right. into it now. <laughs> he was skeptical before, but now he's on board. Those he Nine minutes of dialogue in, you've convinced me. I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't see what you need from me. It's about my daughter. Wait, what? Your daughter. Because <laughs> we haven't introduced enough birth, characters. <laughs> I trained my daughter, Mikiko. Is that it? Yes. <laughs> and then together, you must find the He adds more exposition. So <laughs> I did want sword training. To the way it was. No, my daughter's sorry to Shiro. But I'm not quite sure I buy it. Even if I oh did, God. I'm just a guy teaching kids Should how to do fight that. with a sword. No, oh, you are the descendant of Usagi Miyamoto. Embrace your heritage and who the kill him, kill the old guy. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that super swordsman just completely got cold cocked. But find my daughter and the Daikatana. I, I can't just Shh. say nothing. I just got punched in the face and I had a whole 20 body. seconds to see the guy coming. <laughs> you can't trust me to go rescue her. <laughs> I like how every company is a version of Mishima. It's Mishima <laughs> Crematorium. Mick Mishima for burgers. <laughs> You've gone into the crematorium truck? Why? Okay, our hero didn't hear <laughs> listen, hero. Tom. Uh, has uh, stowed away in a coffin in the crematorium truck, which uh, is apparently a dump truck because death is so common in the world of Daikatana. They use uh, dump trucks to bring people to the crematorium. But, well, you, you know, know the, the, old man? the Marlboro pox virus, really. <laughs> the drivers of the so crematorium bad. truck were joking about how many... Uh, coffins were going to fall off their truck when they hit that bump. Who feels like they have the best handle on the plot? The the 11 minutes of exposition that is the intro to this game. You want to give us a quick rundown of what we just saw? In 30 seconds. Here, Frank's playing though. I'll, I'll do it. So, uh... Go. Ancient, ancient sword gets made, uh, gets given to somebody else to hide. A lot of shit happens. Uh, virus kills the world, and now this guy's got to save a dude's daughter and find the sword again. Yeah, you're, you're you're missing out on only the one thing I think is that the the reality he lives in now is created mm. by this guy who traveled to, uh, back through time. You know, did I right. miss a time so travel a, aspect? Did I forget was. that? Oh, was yeah. there was a oh there wow. Was. So there, I, there are two warring feudal Japanese families or uh, clans, and the Ibiharas and the Mishima. The uh, Mishima have Usagi uh, Miyamoto make a sword, and that sword is supposed to end the feud. <laughs> Just we're watching the graphics now. 
<laughs> and um, so he makes the sword. He finds he realizes though that uh, the Mishimas will they're too powerful that they'll uh, des- destroy the world and they're evil. So he can't give it to them. So instead he gives it to their enemy, the Ibiharas. The Ibiharas use it to end the feud. Um, but now the future that you're living in somehow the Mishima acquired the sword and used it to change destiny. This is not the reality we should all be living in. It's uh, it's one that where the Mishimas got the sword and uh, have created this kind of dictatorship where they're a corporation in control of everything. So that's the plot that we're in. We have to go rescue that old guy who visited us, his daughter. He was a descendant of the, the Ibiharas. Because she knows how to use the Daikatana. she's been trained how to use the Daikatana. I love how in the beginning of these games, like you always kill dragonflies and frogs, like the most harmless things ever. <laughs> yeah, there's mosquitoes <laughs> flying around right now. In uh, in Boulder's Gate, frogs. One of like the OG Boulder's Gate. One of the first things is uh, you have to kill a whole bunch of rats. Yeah, that's always like the first <laughs> first fight in any uh, medieval RPG. Is like, oh, just go down to the basement and kill a couple rats for us. Yeah. Like, oh, my journey has finally begun. <laughs> and, and the sad thing is that it's like quasi challenging sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. That's well, actually my maybe one of my favorite things about RPGs is that feeling of progression. progression. And XCOM, I was talking about XCOM earlier, does that really well too, where like by the time you get to the end, like some of these enemies that you, when you fought them the first time, you were completely overwhelmed by their strength and at the end if you've really worked on it you've gotten to a point where you're just immensely powerful and you're just like swatting these like high level enemies to the side like it's a it's a satisfying feeling so i feel like in a first person first person shooter like if you were to capture that feeling of being like right now we're struggling against dragonflies but Mm -hmm. at the and you've gained enough strength for going against these like high level enemies. It could be pretty cool. I think on oh, that Frank note, found another progression really well is uh, Death Stranding. At the beginning, mm. when you're dealing with the BTs, which are like the ghosts, you're you're literally like hiding from them. You just like slowly stealth your way through the area and avoid them. Then you're given ways to to like get them away from you. And finally, you're killing them and killing, like, bigger versions of them and, you know, your boss fights and whatever. But I thought Death Stranding, I think, has one of the best pacing and progression because there's so much to the game that it could be overwhelming if they gave it to you all at once, like Breath of the Wild. But, like, breaking it up over the the yeah. chapters and, and the parts of the continent that you explore really ends up, like not overwhelming you and and easing you into all of the weird concepts that the game has to offer. One thing that's kind of weird about this is that for having as much exposition as it did, um, I mean, I get dragonflies and frogs. They're just very malicious in this world. (laughs) But, um, like, why why are there turrets outside of the crematorium? Why do you have a blaster (laughs) arm? The ion blaster. So that was the main thing that caught me off guard. I know we, when we launched into this game, we uh, we watched the trailer first, so we, we got to see that it was a first-person view. I went into this honestly not knowing even what the gameplay was. I just knew Daikatana, and oh yeah, I've heard of that before. I've heard that it was this um, epic flop. And uh, I so you watch the 11 minutes of exposition about the sword master, and you're going to go get the Daikatana back. The last thing I expected was to be a first-person shooter that looked like Doom. 
Like, I mean, it, it's you're a sword master, right? You train people to, well, to right, use you, swords. So why sword? do I have an ion blaster? <laughs> and why do I have a fist where I can punch mosquitoes? It, it, yeah, it came out of nowhere for me. That is, you're right. At the very least, your melee should be a sword. So you were talking about, like, the beginning of the game and, and how they yeah. explained everything. I opened up Doom Ultimate, um, mm-hmm. clicked new game, picked a difficulty level, and they just set me down in this area. I had no idea where I was or what to do. I had a gun that I could shoot and I could move around. And it actually took me like quite some time to figure out, because I didn't go through the option menus or anything, but it took me quite right. some time to figure out that I had to actually like hit a button to open doors. So I yeah. was like, actually, am Frank, I- Same thing for you, Frank. You do have a use button. I think it's your right click. You can eat berries off the ground for health. Oh yeah. So that's but something they never tell like, you that. Yeah, they don't tell, and they didn't tell me anything in in Doom. So right. I'm just like walking around. I'm I'm like picking up health and stuff. And by the time I finished the first level, I was like, oh wow, I feel like I thoroughly explored this place. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you've you've killed like ten percent of the enemies and and discovered no secrets. And I was like, oh okay. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a that's a theme that carries from uh, id software onto Ion Storm here. They they also give you a tracker at the end of the level for secrets found, and a lot of them, uh, like you said, you didn't find a lot of secrets in Doom. Well, a lot of them, like in this game, like you just run up to the wall. It's a completely plain looking wall. Sometimes there's one little hint on it, and you uh, just click on the panel on the wall, and it'll open up. Like there's no way you could have known that unless you clicked every single wall in the entire uh, level. And, like, all of the mechanisms in Doom are, are completely flat, like, 2D surfaces. Yes. So, like, it, yeah. I was like, is this a switch? It looks like it could <laughs> be, but it's it's hard to tell. So I'll just start hitting spacebar on everything. So, Whoa. again, remind me, what were Romero's two big uh, games before so, this? So, yeah, or? working with uh, id Software, he uh, was the main developer with John Carmack for... Uh, Wolfenstein 3D, as well as um, Doom and then Quake. Yeah, so John Romero is rightfully credited with uh, creating a lot of the 3D tools used in 3D game creation. Um, He's often uh, credited with coining the term deathmatch, the most basic of online FPS. And I actually got some more insight from him here from this article that uh, the article is mostly based on that there's a book called Masters of Doom, a 2003 book which uh, is all about um, id Software and these games that they made and how, uh, how uh, influential they were. I pulled this from kananakuriblogspot.com, so I guess credit there. You can always find all the credits for anything I'm citing on our website, so go listen to our, go look at our website too. Man, those mosquitoes buzzing in my ear. I'm going to turn the volume yeah. down on the game a little bit. That, the mosquito buzzing I keep buzzing having is, to turn it down. Oh my God, it's unbearable. Also, why were they flying? We're going to the crematorium, right? Yes, and they have... uh, Why did just, like, ten giant mosquito things fly out of the crematorium as if they were sent out. <laughs> this article, though, is <laughs> says uh, John Carmack and John Romero, their personalities and talents were so contrasted like day and night. Carmack is a laser-focused programmer hermit who created many revolutions in programming and graphics engines. Romero is the gamer-artist celebrity who has a knack to implement Carmack's programming into a revolutionary game. In essence, Carmack was a scientist while Romero was the artist. 
their pattern in developing their games was like like this. Carmack created their game engine, the nuts and bolts of the game, the Legos that determined how computers shape and play the game, while Romero is the one who experimented with the engine, gave ideas on what kind of implementation the engine could or should have, implemented that engine, and used it to create revolutionary special effects. The results were fantastic. Romero could utilize Carmack's revolutionary engine in ways that Carmack himself couldn't possibly think of. Not only that, Carmack's conservativeness hit a break whenever Romero went too far, while Romero's aggressiveness pulled the best out of Carmack. Um, looks like their differences uh, complemented each other perfectly, covering each other's weaknesses. But their success created cracks and frictions. After the success of Doom and Doom 2, Romero acted like a rock star with Doom gamers as his groupies. While Carmack started to work for their next project, uh, Quake, Romero felt that Carmack lost touch with their customers, the gaming community. The gaming world also got another glimpse of Romero's weaknesses during the early days of Quake's development. When Romero, Carmack, and other programmers were brainstorming about Quake, Romero was really awed by what he heard he heard his, he shared his excitement with all his fans that basically means all the gamers on earth uh, complete with his usual usual <laughs> hyperbolic wordings like the next game is going to blow doom to hell so he, he's always making these bold hyperbolic statements um, his colleagues disliked this behavior with good reason since quake was still in its infancy uh, many of their ideas wouldn't even make it into the final version of the game the gamers would be pissed if this didn't happen romero agreed but romero couldn't help himself after that during an interview with computer player magazine he proclaimed that quake won't just be a game it'll be a movement so the, uh, these frictions culminated when Carl Carmack called Romero poison for the company and shot down his designs for Quake. Romero finally had enough. He left id Software after they finished Quake. Romero and his close friends founded a new game company. This would be the realization of Romero's dream. They were sure that money wouldn't be a problem since everyone in the gaming industry thought that Romero had Midas's touch. Huh. So Frank has made it to the second part. Actually, probably in the probably in the third or fourth part of the marsh right now. So the, the problem that Romero had has been something that that's never gone away. Like what what was the game? Um, it was supposed to be like uh, Fable. space exploration. Oh. No Man's Sky. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no, you're right about Fable too though. Like yeah. in Fable and No Man's Sky, both of those were like plagued with like these huge expectations, and they must have said these amazing things that they were going to do way like early in development and they never got to put it out. Did Fable have the same thing? Because like Yeah, I, Fable, I, Fable, I they Fable said well, did. In, in oh, one, they, they were saying that like that just didn't happen. Oh, in Fable they said like you'd grow old Fable and like, two like scars. Was, uh, Peter Peter Molyneux yeah, yeah. uh notorious for that. He uh he also he developed Black and White, which was a fantastic game on yeah, PC, yeah, I but played yeah, a he, lot of that. Big promises and yeah, I love that game. Yeah, but talking up his games a little more more than he probably should. Yeah, and once once you start talking about it, especially when deadlines start getting pushed, uh, it's it's hard to get back ahead of that. When the rock star John Romero uh, and and Tom Hall was the other developer who left id Software to form it uh, to form Ionstorm with him, they uh, founded Ionstorm in Dallas, Texas, where they went to begin their first game. Daikatana. When Ionstorm was founded, they signed a deal with Eotis Interactive for six games. In a very dot-com style move, they rented a penthouse of a skyscraper in, as I mentioned, Dallas, Texas, and spent $2.5 million wow. on their offices. They had movie rooms with $50,000 projectors, leather couches for viewing. The rent what? for this office space was $55,000 per month. And what? They, yeah. Jesus. How much money did they have? Yeah. Wait, so the so, people are all just innocent. Sorry, I just yes, noticed these that are, they, these they, are innocent people that Frank is. Well, I mean, at, you don't know their backstories. Yeah, I mean, the guy who like sent the mail for Hitler was still a Nazi. 
the guy he was just chasing was an adulterer. <laughs> well, he works at the crematorium, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, do we know why we're at a crematorium? I Did I well, miss that? because that was the way to get into Mishima. But Mishima owns everything in the world. Why couldn't he just go to McDonald's, Mishima? <laughs> Is Frank going to shoot one of them? I don't know yet. Oh, he shot Honestly, him. All right. He's <laughs> in the way. They should have been happy he was killing all those frogs. Oh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, the, the rent for the office was 55000 per month. And an article that uh, you can find a citation for on the website, and I'll, I'll mention it later because I can't find it right now. They pointed out just to cover the cost of the offices and the utilities, they'd have to essentially produce a box office video game every single year. The amount of money that games were making, even like Doom at that point, weren't making so much money that you could legitimize a $55,000 in rent. It's it's absurd. They, uh, that, I mean, that's so crazy, though. Like, just that says so much about his ego. Yeah, the... Uh, so they did actually technically start working on a game before Daikatana. It, part of Yodis's plan, the, they were bankrolling this, was to buy up nearly finished games, hand them off to Ion Storm to quickly finish with Romero's Midas Touch. So the first one that they did that with was a game called Dominion Storm Over Gift 3. It was an RTS, so it was supposed to take about $50,000 in three months to finish up. Instead, it ended up taking over a year with $100,000. And it was RTS, like I said, and they released it on the same day as perhaps the worst competitor to release an RPS, RTS to. Uh, they released it on the same day Riddler? as StarCraft oh, came out. Star Close. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, StarCraft Who wasn't the first. played the out of Red Alert, by the way? Oh, I yeah, I played a lot of Red Alert. <laughs> uh, oh, and I know, and I know, Probably, I'd be surprised if any of you ever played this, but did any of you ever play uh, Battle Realms? No, I don't know. No. It was, think. it was in the same exact vein, except it was all just like very like kind of samurai themed, like the clans were, uh, I think the Lotus, the Wolf, the Serpent, oh, okay. and the Dragon. Dragon was just like samurais and Serpent were just like shady samurais. And, but the Lotus were really cool. They were kind of like zombies almost. Huh. They, they were like almost completely defensively based. Uh, I'm getting to something kind of cool. <laughs> and there's slowest moving units in the game. And I, my friend and I used to play it online against each other all the time. I could never attack him because the units were so slow. So we just kind of wait. They had this one special ability where if they went into a watchtower, they could teleport to another watchtower. In the very mm. early bits of the game, right after my friend found me, I created a watchtower all the way across the map right below his base. And yeah. it was probably just one of my, my most epic wins ever when like he sent his full force over and like killed my fake base. And then... <laughs> I had teleported everyone over while it was being overrun and just like literally took like a stroll with my entire force and like annihilated his base <laughs> and got back before he could come back. And it was just <laughs> he, all he had was his force left. It was a cool game. Uh, if you yeah. ever get a chance, look it up. Battle Realms. That was Battle Realms. one of my favorite things about RTS games was like turtling for 40 minutes and then just yeah. going out with like a, a max food army like you could not build oh, anymore you've gotten rid of all of your <laughs> yes um, yes your what's it called like your workers Scavenging units yeah, yeah got rid of yeah. all that only made and you just go all in once and hope for the best yes. like i did that protoss carriers i don't know if you remember oh, yeah. from starcraft and oh, just absolutely. like an entire map full of them and just floated over a base and you couldn't see anything because it was glitching so bad and 
like they were covered by all of the little carrier guys and then I would move away and there would be nothing left behind. Hunter, you were exactly that is exactly what I would do. Like and then if if I attacked you, it was because it was everything yeah, I possibly had. It was all had. or nothing. It was all or nothing. Yes. Yeah, I got and, pretty far in StarCraft ladders just by uh just by committing to a Zergling rush. But see, if, uh, I mean your win percentage with it is okay enough that you keep climbing. Yeah. You kept climbing. But that's Wait, but your, but your Zerg rush. Quick? That's the thing. A Zerg rush is just running with your like workers and your first spawns of Zergling yep. and taking over. I'm talking about like, and I tried that yeah. when I first tried playing online. Was like, and I I didn't really understand like the way, not the way you were supposed to play the game, but the way that you end up playing it efficiently is that you build more than one base. So I always had one base, and I would have workers going across the map, bringing me like you know more Vespine gas because I would only only ever have one control center <laughs> so the first time i get online i'm like all right i've got my strategy i'm gonna turtle i'm gonna keep this guy out of my and he just rolled me just rolled me <laughs> unbelievably that i did not play online again for like a year and then i i was, was playing with my cousin early years years of online yeah. I was playing with my cousin and he was like what are you doing and i was like what do you mean he's like you have no like you only have one of this. You only have. One. I only ever had one barrack. I built one of everything yeah. except like I would have you know twenty turrets and twenty bunkers if I was Terran or whatever. But well, in the early days of uh, these kinds of games, there wasn't a Twitch stream you could jump to. Exactly. You, there wasn't like a. You didn't go onto the forums to find the main strategy. And that's how you yeah, cheesed no, you, your uh, way you the best with what you through had. the story was just yeah. turtling. Right. Well, I'm sorry. That's a great feeling, though. Sorry, uh, Chris. Yeah, no, the, discovering the, the, it on your own, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean turtling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I mean, like, that feeling of just, like, the whole game, like, kind of shaking them off, shaking them off, and then be like, are you ready, bitch? <laughs> like, <laughs> be like... Like watch this, and like just come over with like like you said, Hunter. Just like no peasants or whatever the lowest level caste system you have. Like they're all collectors. Gone. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're just full on badasses left, and just march across the map like like this no, is it. it. And just, all in. <laughs> no more SCVs. It's all. And I would I would each game I played, I would pick like one unit and that would be the one I would just mass spam it so I would roll out with like hundreds of goliaths or you know really? like uh, like the max amount of carriers Goliath online yes Frank and for the love of God please be careful with the C4 gun it's gonna blow you up yeah it's pretty uh, <laughs> it's pretty strong <laughs> again right. why does a crematorium have this <laughs> need, security need mech warriors to defend it <laughs> Yeah. All right. So is it yeah, keeping so, people out or keeping demons? Also, we in? went from frogs. To, have you noticed that the frogs and these rocket launchers are just as they're equal threat? <laughs> as we're running through the, uh, we're inside the crematorium in Daikatana. There, Frank's running through, seeing some employees, some NPCs who are harmless, but uh, they're. There's like also frogs among them, and the frogs know that it's time to attack Hero, but the employees just run <laughs> away. All right, yeah, so Daikatana, uh, they started development in 1997 and set a release date for Christmas season of the same year, which was only seven months away, which was bold. This was based on the deadlines that they had made Quake in, apparently. They did not meet that deadline, by the way, the Christmas deadline. Did uh, you just kill that guy? 
That innocent <laughs> He was in the way, to be fair. He was, he was the fat one, too. You guys just really get in the way. <laughs> Don't so, kill him. yeah, they were six six months into development for Daikatana, and they, they weren't going to hit that deadline already. But then they saw a Quake 2 engine. So they saw the engine, and they're like, oh, crap, we have to use that engine. They thought, uh, or at least John Romero thought, like, oh, this will add, like, a couple weeks to our production timeline. It was a full year later before they said that they had fully integrated into Quake 2. It ended up even being longer than that that they had been in development. So from a Salon article... I love that every person Frank kills is solely because they're blocking him. <laughs> oh, he, he, he definitely goes way out of his way to make sure they live until uh, they're in his way. <laughs> oh, is he going to go for those health packs? He did it. All right. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> the ladder down there? Is there? Okay. God, I would... I would kill them for screaming after a while. That, that It's like only one sound effect over and over. Yeah, so from a Salon article, that uh, John Romero oh. is going to make you his bitch ad is from late 1997. And the game magazines are niche-oriented, but the, the controversy was kind of contained. You know, it's not like this was put in, like, Time magazine or something. But it, it still left kind of a permanent scar on the perception of the company. Like, here's this, like, bad-talking thing, and they keep delaying the game. So, you know, they thought it was a funny idea to... Uh, parody the prevalent trash talk that of doom and quake but you know not everyone agreed and they didn't ad- run that ad for very long it's its main effect was kind of focusing trash talk on the company rather than like the gamer atmosphere so a lot of people started just kind of pile on to ion storm because they just kept delaying the deadline which is almost fair like if trash talking is going to be like your thing and you want to make that part of like your your message and yeah. then like you don't deliver like expect to get it yeah he's killed so many people and he hasn't leveled up yet i can see the bar wait you see the progression bar look at the On bottom the right side of the screen the power the yeah but he's just is- he's killed a lot of things to sure. n- have not leveled yet gotcha what is acro it's the only thing acrobatics that- I think the Ion Blaster, Frank, I think that, like, damages the water that you're in. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good weapon to use. Which brings us to a point about the weapons in this game. So many of the weapons in this game damage you. There are a few that feel like a safe weapon to use. Yeah, the, uh, the media sensation around the game. So, you know, bad kind of press with them doing that ad that no one really bought into because they were delaying the game and they're playing they're doing this game that the the gamer world is so highly focused on it's a devote niche following who's who's already interested in it now they're you sort of become the object of their scorn because you keep delaying the game so what games do you think maybe in the last five to ten years have had the same thing because there's Nukem forever is another one that comes to mind true. and destiny i think oh and uh, what's the one that started with A, oh, uh, Anthem. I feel like Anthem. had the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and there were, there was like daily gossip as well about the going ons inside of Ion Storm. From an article on Inquisitor, uh, there was a lot of infighting, and I have a pull quote from someone who was working at the company, and it says. Uh, so from someone working at the company, they said, During a meeting, I explained to John that I was working on the endgame cinematics with Cage, the antagonist. I pronounced it Cage. Romero giggled. Who? What? What are you working on? I said it again. Now everyone was laughing at me. Romero said, Who? Say it again. And I go, Uh, Cage? Romero's like, No, dude, it's pronounced Kaji. And I oh go, uh, well, you better check out with the voiceover recordings because it's Cage. And suddenly Romero's face turned white and half the audio in the game had his name pronounced wrong, but it was too late to fix. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> some more uh, 
development stories. I mentioned uh, it was in Dallas, Texas. Uh, not exactly the hub of game programmers, apparently, but they picked it for whatever reason. They had to bring in talent from all over the U.S., costing way more money. Somewhere along the line, they had a mass exodus, about 20 staff members leaving. There was uh, a miserable atmosphere, apparently, and, you know, what with all the negative press and internal struggles and constant delays... There was a GameSpot article that was pretty comprehensive about the development, so here are some highlights from that article, though. Ion Storm's new quarters were plush, but they also were the subject of intense heat that comes from working in a glass bubble with curved windows serving as a ceiling. So literally, they mean, like, intense heat. Um, For game developers accustomed to dark environments, the direct sunlight and resulting heat caused concern. In addition, artists had their cubes directly positioned under the sunlight, which made trying to work during lunch hours also an impossible task. I read during another in another article that most of them ended up like covering their cubicles with like black sheets. <laughs> what? Uh, Romero's Oh, well, you didn't have to kill him, Frank. <laughs> Sorry, now Frank, now, now I'm Frank running has upgraded now, okay? this. That's that's what they say. Just you know, you do something bad, and it just gets easier and easier. At first, they're in your way. Now you're just killing because you love death. I got time. So coupled with a dilemma of game design still in flux, Romero's much vaunted sidekicks weren't even working in the game, and that posed huge problems for the level design. Uh, one programmer said there were a lot of unanswered questions when I was building maps. Said Savare Cavernmo. Uh, Since sidekicks weren't working, you can only guess about how the map needs to be designed in order to accommodate them. While the level designers struggled with their map designs, the artists also had trouble realizing the game's cinematic sequence, originally planned as pre-rendered movies. Daikatana's story changed on a weekly basis, said artist Billy Daly, and that made the job of drawing the game's cinematic storyboards very difficult. One example of how the departments were not working together and maybe attesting to Romero's trouble with actually leading a company on his own, there was a story about how they had this skin for a little arrowhead, and it was rendered by the artist in 1300 by 960 pixels, which is pretty huge in what you would expect for a game like these days. Uh, what an arrowhead may be. Even, not even that big, honestly. So, But because there was so little communication, the artist had been inexper- inexperienced with working with games. They drew this thing that probably took them weeks to make, this highly detailed uh, arrowhead, and it ended up being, you know, we're looking at a game that's re- like 600 pixels wide. So that was never <laughs> going to be viewed larger than like 10 pixels. <laughs> oh, wow. So they put all of this effort into something that's yeah, good. It's just an example near. of terrible communication. What? These frogs are everywhere. How the fuck did that frog get there? <laughs> there's no way for that mechanical so, frog to get I'm there. I'm sorry. There's, there's no fucking way. There's, He's been waiting his whole life. He was built there was and a ladder set on that with, edge. <laughs> there was a ladder with no stairs. And then I want to see how far down this, this gap goes. But there's no fucking way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. It's just you have you have mech like mech warriors with rocket launchers, <laughs> but you're still dealing with the frogs. Like yeah. you can't. I, if you're gonna get the end of this game, and there's still gonna be frogs. <laughs> you guys remember anything that stood out during the quick little trailer that we watched? Something that doesn't look like skeletons. This. So, yeah, in the trailer that we watched, we saw skeletons, and we haven't got into it yet, but the game uh, promised something pretty bold. The game does have you jump through eras. Oh, so the time travel does kind of come in? Does happen, yes. Oh, no, uh, the frog. Now they can swim. Frog followed him underwater. Now Frank has to find an air pocket, though. So, yeah, Romero's goal was for this time-traveling concept to serve as an impetus for dramatic shifts in on-screen content. He was tired of the sameness of most levels in action games. Romero 
um, developed four distinct time periods with no overlapping content. There is ancient Greece, the Dark Ages in Norway, a techno-industrial Japan, and a 21st century San Francisco. So we're kind of in the techno-industrial Japan in the first uh, first two levels here. It's the well, year 2455. vibe right now. So I, I keep talking about 1997 and delays. The game actually was finally released in any guesses? December. Well, of 97. <laughs> Oh, of no, definitely not 97. Oh, December oh, of 98. That's, that's what they promised. Nope, not December of 98. 99. It was May 2000 that the game finally came out. And by that time, so, you know, what they were so concerned about was the graphics engine being dated, and that's why they delayed it to switch to Quake 2 engine. The game legitimately was dated by the time it came out. It there were games that looked far better than this in 2000. In fact, the 64 version, which we'll take a look at, uh, it I don't know that there is a game that looks worse than this on Nintendo 64. Really? Yeah, it is. It's it's shocking. On on PC, it it doesn't look great either. It lived up to none of its expectations. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear the uh, story of what happens to this guy after this. <laughs> he lives out the less, rest of his life uh, just starting to atone for his sins. He becomes a monk. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like Yodas, who was bankrolling all this, kind of forced them to finally push the game out. And it, it doesn't seem like they were happy with it uh, when it came out, uh, like even Romero. Uh, despite how long it took. The version for 64 actually came out a month or two before the PC version, after its initial promise date of Christmas 1997, so you can understand how public sentiment kind of turned against it, and how, even if the game is not good, people were ready to look for every flaw in it. And, and you know what? As they should have been, you know? Yeah. If you're going to talk your game up that much. Yoda's opened a second Ion Storm studio in Austin, probably because they were so frustrated with Daikatana that they just wanted to get out of their six-game contract as fast, as fast as possible. But that, that <laughs> second studio uh, did produce other games and free from what was going on in the Dallas studio. They developed Deus Ex. Wow. Yeah. Um, and also Deus Ex Invisible War, the sequel to it, that did considerably better than what they were doing in Dallas. Um, they also did uh, a game in the Thief series, Deadly Shadows. So um, with all those games that finish up their six-game contract with Iotis and Ion Storm shut their doors. <laughs> so I guess they didn't do Deus Ex Human Revolution? Which was they did not. No, the, my the license was passed on to another company. I, yeah, that was a that was a really good one. Right, so Frank is at the end of this episode. Oh, having points in Acro will result in the bionic sounds of the six million dollar man TV show being played. Yes, <laughs> hitting and out that during jump a jump. Noise. Yeah, honestly, like the biggest impact that Quake, maybe John Romero in general, that he had on me was I played so much uh, Counter Strike that many Counter-Strike servers back in the day would load custom sound packs. So when you were on kill streaks and stuff, it would use the sound packs from Quake, like kill streak, uh, multicide, uh, you know, all, all the all the dumb phrases like that. Kill-tacular. Right. Yeah, so we're exploring the prison right now. Why are people right still now? screaming? Oh, because they're in prison. I don't like <laughs> when they do stuff like that where it doesn't make sense. So like, okay, there's a control panel. Where would you put it in real life? It, oh, I would put it, uh, you know, 15 feet high on the ceiling. You know, like, where, like, normal day-to-day -day functioning, you're like, hey, Bill, uh, yeah, hey, we need to get open that door. Uh, can you get the ladder out? It's the only way. We can, we can get this door open. So, <laughs> as you know, I used to do low-voltage technician work, and that's exactly 
the type of things that happen. <laughs> That's what they would do. Um, there was a building I worked on that had two doors on either side of the building with a lobby in the middle. Rather than like find an office to put the box in that we could access, we put it above the ceiling. So anytime I have to adjust, I had to adjust those doors. I'd had to come in with a twelve foot ladder, climb up the ceiling, open <laughs> it, and then there was like a little code punch and a screen and like like a small <laughs> computer up there that I had to didn't access. Run the box lower. Yeah. So with previous games, we've had minor squabbles about whether we're. Uh, it's the best version of the game we're playing. Well, Squabble. This, uh, <laughs> this game did come out on N64. Um, the 64 version, by all accounts, is a complete disaster even compared to this. It used the 64 expansion pack, which doubled the amounts of RAM from 4 megabytes to 8 megabytes on the Nintendo 64. But some of the differences, it plays one repeating track per era. The weapons can be carried through different eras which kind of breaks the whole game, but also mostly it, it creates a problem of you have to cycle through all your weapons to pick which weapon you want, but since you've got like six other weapons that you're out of ammo with, it makes just picking the weapon that you want extremely difficult. Guy was just trying to do his job. <laughs> I know, Frank just murdered. I told you, it just gets easier, man. <laughs> Once you start down the path of I'm darkness. I'm thinking that Frank is really enjoying this game because he's not like responding to anything. He's, just, he's totally in the zone. <laughs> in the zone. And just, yeah, you're the only one who's actually got the controls yeah. here, Frank. How's the, how's the controls yeah. for the it's, game uh, It feels feel? like Quake, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's fast, rapid gameplay, right? And every time you shoot someone, they blow up into chunks. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. The uh, 64 version does have a few modes of multiplayer. And so does the PC the, version. The PC version does also have multiplayer, much like, you know, he came from creating deathmatches, so he was going to have a deathmatch in this, obviously. It, it does have a co-op version as well, where two people can play through the campaign. Although everything when it came out is essentially broken. Um, some differences with the 64 version, the NPCs that Frank has uh, been more and more... Frank, those are prisoners. You don't need to be. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> he can't stop now, Chris. He can't stop <laughs> now. Remember, by the time you've told him, he's already killed. Yeah, it's 10 him. seconds ago, I know. <laughs> but I, th I thought I, maybe I could save. I don't so think the so. He still that, murdered that, everybody. <laughs> that Frank has been killing willy-nilly here. At least in the EU version, they made it so you couldn't just kill them, uh, which uh, sounds like If they work for Mishima... They're gonna die. It's not. It's not our problem. They chose of course, to work Frank for would think it's lame now. <laughs> this is where you cue the clerk's conversation about the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, got one. I'm not sure what he said. Got one too. You'll yet. see. Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> oh, murdering was, civilians. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. It was murdering civilians. So since since this game, John Romero has been involved in uh, consulting for a lot of games, but he has not been the head developer on any first-person shooters. Um, he's done lots of interviews, talks, and presentations out there where he discusses id Software, Daikatana, for hours at a time. There doesn't seem to be any animosity between him and John Carmack, the uh, original co-founder of id Software. If you're interested in like the beginning of FPS games, I mentioned the book, Masters of Doom, uh, appears to be where a lot of this information comes from, but there's lots of videos on YouTube. He uh, goes through the whole history of id Software at uh, a GDC conference in a, in a video called Early Days of id Software. It's pretty it's pretty interesting if you're just interested in the history of games. But yeah, he seems like a pretty well-balanced guy these days, and uh, he's still got his signature, very long, flowing black hair. That's kind of his look. And what, is he doing any games now? No, he talked for a while about... 
Frank, there was a guy, there was a guy much doing what Hunter used to do, which is repair electrical boxes, and uh, Frank just and came Frank up behind him, him and oh, I thought, killed him. I thought he was cowering in fear. Oh no, he was fixing something. So now Frank's using the shot cycler, which is a very Quake-style weapon. It's a shotgun that fires all six cylinders at once, well, one at a time when you do it. We haven't really talked about this, but like, I, I, I played Doom, and this kind of seems like, it seems fun. Like, it seems enjoyable so far. Right. Obviously, I'm not playing it, and this is my first time not playing a game. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure, but... Oh, we're hearing I don't the know, uh, Million Dollar Man sound. Oh, Bionic Man! Yeah. <laughs> Gets old real quick. Um, oh, and the healing thing here, I just want to point out, there are healing stations around. Uh, some of some of the models for them are called Hoss Portals. So, that's, that's fun. Hoss Portal. Chris, do you get it, though? I don't... Cause it's I like, think I do. It's like a hospital, but it's a portal. But it's like a portal. But it's not like a portal. Do you thing. get it? Like you don't go anywhere. Do you get? <laughs> you get it though. So is it like <laughs> a puzzle game to an extent? Because you're just going back and forth and like opening there's, doors. There's an element of puzzle to it, and it definitely was pitched in that once you get your sidekicks, there are going to be a lot of puzzles to it. But like to incorporate that that doom feel still. Once you get your sidekicks? Yeah, because there are two sidekicks that um, are, are featured heavily in the marketing for this game. Um, we're about to meet one of them. Is one of them the daughter? One of them is the daughter, Makiko. Well, Frank, hopefully he doesn't just blow her brain down. No promises. <laughs> he sees her. And why is Makiko the daughter at the crematorium? Is there any she knows how to use the sword. explanation? Well, Oh. It was the way to get into the headquarters was through the crematorium. That was the uh, okay the premise that we were so given. So are we we're in, in the headquarters, headquarters now. now? You're in the proper? prison block now. Yes, you have made it from the well part of the crematorium to the the headquarters in the prison. Yeah, I hate the loading thing. It's, it's oh yeah, loud. I hate that too. The first time it, it, it was did like, it, I was like, "Why?" I liked it at first. I thought it was like, "Wow, this is like kitschy." It's it's uh. I just don't get the idea of like I feel like me- no, loading screens are something that you don't want to draw attention to. Yeah, you know, and like here they're making a point to be like, "Hey, look it, this is it as it goes." <laughs> <laughs> Having an audio cue, I, I don't get it. We have yet to experience as we're playing what sidekicks actually are in this game, but maybe a little spoiler. We're going to talk about the worst sidekicks that are in video games. I've, oh, I've got, got a it. few lists from uh, Twinfinite, thegamer.com. Yeah, but any, you guys uh, want to suggest any worst sidekicks ha- in ha- games? Hands down, I know, I know them one. What you got? Resident Evil Four. <laughs> yes, uh, Ashley and Resident Evil blonde, Four is I, on most oh. of the lists. Oh yeah, the yeah. You, uh, it's you're playing Leon, and it feels like most of the game is you giving her commands about stay here, go do this. Um, and that yeah, is that's... and that is a phenomenal game. It is mm-hmm. genuinely scary. It's a great game, and when you get to the point where you're dealing with Ashley, it is just awful. It's so bad. And she makes decisions, like the AI makes decisions that's just like borderline suicidal. Yeah, yeah no, it's a that's chore to keep them alive. Like they're on a suicide mission, I, uh, and it's your job to protect them. I'm sure there are many other like quests like that that will be brought up here, but I really feel like she's yeah. the worst. Uh, Roman <laughs> Bellic from GTA 4. Uh, the AI teammates in Left 4 Dead. Yeah, they're uh, if you're not playing online with real people, they, they're 
they're constantly getting themselves all jammed up and going the wrong places. I'm trying to think of other ones. I know it's Doom and Wolfenstein, but they're all so dark. Like, what works great in early 3D engines is colors, like Super Mario. <laughs> and uh, you'll see when we take a look at the 64 version that, man, it's, uh, it's I don't know, it's all so drab. And it's not a lot of fun to look at, given there are a few different eras. Anyway, some more people on that list. Navi from Ocarina of Time made the list. Don't, uh, listen. How, how dare they? How dare they? Are you listen. for real? Hey! No, 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 no. It's just because I you know. like that game, Tom. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. Well, one, She's that's actually the highest rated game. No, that's the highest rated it. game of all time. Yeah. It is the highest rated game of all time. Navi is awesome. Um, no, I do not agree. That should not be on the list. What the fuck is that thing? So we've run into this character. We don't know what we're looking at. She's a hot mother. Feisty too. Gave Mishima's goons a run for their money before they finally chased her down. Alright, so we have run into our first sidekick here. Best guesses for what his name is. What business? It's the most potentially offensive. It leans into the black exploitation of it all. Close. <laughs> what would you guess, Frank? Blackie McBlackerson. Well, obviously, obviously it would Black. be something, something dark, maybe. Uh, sort of. I'm gonna say dark or night, midnight. The character that you rescue here, if you're ready for it, his name is Superfly Johnson. Oh, and wow. They they don't like wow. treat That's it worse as than if what it's a we joke. Guessed. They just like, no, that's his name, and like we're just moving on, playing the game. <laughs> uh, it's never like acknowledged as a like an in joke or anything. It's just that's that's this character's name. Um, no, that's that's offensive. That's more yeah. offensive than the offensive things we were thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, some other sidekicks here. Let's run through Natalia in Goldeneye. There is, to be fair, one level that it's an escort style mission. If you remember, like she's working on the big control uh, control panel while there's some Ruskies running in from either side, and you've got to defend her. So it's anytime you got to do an escort and they can die and it ends your game. That's frustrating. Slippy from Star Fox. A lot of people hating on Slippy. Mr. Rossetti from Animal Crossing. I don't think. Mr. Rossetti's in the new game, is he? They they said they weren't going to put him in it, but I think they actually did put him in it as like a real minor role. He's probably, I'm sure he's one. hidden somewhere. Yeah, no, Mr. Rossetti was a mole who would pop up and just yell at you to make sure to save, and it became a, a joke. Well, I think there was something he did if you altered your game system's time or started a game, quit a game without saving, he would start yelling at you. So it was just like an angry Nintendo character that would yell at you. I like how it said when you die, it says uh, Miyamoto failed at life. Failed at life, yeah. Yeah, there is some like tongue-in-cheek kind of. Dig. When you quit the game, one of the messages I think when you it's like, are you sure you want to quit? One of the messages is we're gonna prod the, or stir the monsters up real bad while you're gone, so they'll be extra angry when you come back. Like, there's some like lighthearted tongue-in-cheekness with it, but that only works like if the game's good. Um, otherwise, it's just like it's trying trying really hard on top of a bad game, so it just yeah it doesn't come across very well. If any big Gears of War fans out there, the the Carmine family. Mm. was uh, mentioned oh. in the list of sidekicks. That, what? Uh, that sidekicks that they don't like? Yeah, I, 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 I don't remember all that well, but I guess there are... That's the whole point of the no, that, that's, that's, that's that a joke of them, But I guess there are some escort yeah. missions of it of them, right, where you have to make sure they don't die until one of them does die. 
Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't that. remember that. Oh, okay. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember that. I just remember that, like, the classic thing about the Carmines is that yeah. they do die. Right. Yeah, and if you, uh, in case you're wondering why there's a bunch of Xbox avatar gear out there, they, they did a whole thing where they sold shirts that... Uh, had shirts that said save Carmine or Carmine must die in the lead up to Gears of yes. War 3 because they were uh, yeah. deciding whether he lived or died the last brother of the, you the could, Carmine family you could vote yeah you, you could voted vote. Yeah. yeah he ended up uh, Clayton Carmine ended up surviving Gears of War 3 <laughs> I can't leave without my buddy Superfly <laughs> my buddy Superfly. Yeah, so that uh, <laughs> I can't leave without my buddy Superfly. It became a bit of a, a meme back in 2000 when this game <laughs> came out. World of Warcraft had some pretty bad escort quest mechanics. Oh yeah, I guess They always did. walked faster than you walked but yep. if you ran, they were slower. <laughs> right, so there was no good in between. So Superfly here used to be the head of security until he spoke up and was labeled with insubordination and uh, is being tortured. So... Yeah, this this whole uh, prison is, they're just doing experiments to test limits of torture, you know, just classic super evil bad guy stuff. Uh, Some lists put Claptrap on there from Borderlands, and they're wrong. They are absolutely wrong are about that. They are 100% I mean, maybe wrong. in the later yeah, well, ones, I, I don't know, I've only see, played the now, first two. People are crazy. Yeah. They changed the voice actor for three. And so. do you ever even have to keep him alive? You don't. No, no, you definitely don't have to keep him alive. Some some of these lists were like uh, worthless sidekicks or something like that, but now Claptrap is no. well, they're 100% wrong. necessary. Claptrap like really meta. Yes. Yeah, and it's, so it's far, on top of a only good game. Ashley. The dog from Duck Hunt made a lot of lists. And, uh, what? He, he laughs at you, to be fair. I always thought no, that was kind of like... lowers your uh, self-esteem. Like, and, and the last one was Daxter from Jack and Daxter, which... I played those games. I like those games. I don't recall any emotions, having any strong emotions about Daxter, but I'm uploading a picture of him to the group chat right now, and I can, uh, just his picture does annoy me. Uh, he's kind of like a Timon-like comic relief character. So, yeah, we've only looked at this one era here, 2455, but, um... Uh, I think I really like the idea of jumping through eras in a game, like using different weapons from different eras. We've actually done a game like that before. Um, Jurassic Indeed, the Hunting. Indeed, we have a dinosaur game. Yeah. Um, the best game that and we that played on this podcast. And that was our big complaint, was that it didn't do it <laughs> take enough. Take it far enough, yeah. Did, does this game take it further? I don't think that it does. No, they promised a ton of weapons in this game, but you know the amount of guns that you have right now is about how many guns you get in each era, which is like five. Frank, if actually, if you want to um, save your game and you can jump out of it, we're going to... If you leave now, I'll start working on summoning a Shoggoth to come tear you apart while you sleep. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. Very funny. So, yeah, so we talked. We, we saw the intro, the 11-minute intro here. This evil lord who's a corporation who's ruling the world, controlling the vaccine of her viral plague in 20... The, the viral plague that went loose in 2030, which um, feels timely... And he's using it to control the world's population. And then you go and you rescue the daughter. I did want to show you guys what it looked like on Nintendo 64. So strap in. I'm sending this to oh, the group chat here. This is the N64? This is the N64 version that we're watching now. So we saw the cutscene ah. on the PC. Ooh, and uh, there, there, is no, wow. there is no dialogue on Nintendo 64. It's like no voiceover dialogue. It's all subtitles in vibrant pink text sometimes. Really it choppy frame even rate. even worse? It looks so much worse. Yeah. 
His head is like... <laughs> Ooh, this is gnarly, boy. Yeah, I think that's pretty... Oh it's my god. It's definitely like there. the music. And it, it, it's even a, oh, it's even a different cutscene. Like, he, he fights. Him off. In, I, in a very surprising yeah. way. Are you this ready? Is, uh, I like he disappears <laughs> and reappears on his sword. <laughs> yeah. How does he get knocked out? He was such a badass. Oh, what? <laughs> Tosses the sword aside. Yeah, so in the 64 version, <laughs> what? he is doing like two frames a second, jumping through the air, knocking people out. Uh, to be fair, this is what it should yeah, have been, though. This is better. <laughs> like, like, he's a badass. Of course, he would not be taken out by these three thugs. <laughs> Wait, how did he even get hurt? <laughs> the guy's only threatening to hurt him. Somehow, oh. And he does end up dying, so you have to find the daughter. He's very thrilled. Just so you can see what uh, the gameplay looks like on 64, go ahead and jump to like a 14-minute mark and just okay. look at what that looks like real quick. Oh, wow, yeah, it does. Yeah, I, everything's honestly, all hurts faded. My eyes. Yeah, yeah, everything's very... Yeah, muted. It's so blocky. It's so much blockier. I didn't, like, yeah, so as we played Hero Storms, Mishima's headquarters, where he rescues Makiko as well as Superfly Johnson, uh, the head of security who rebelled when he got sick of Mishima's totalitarian practices. That's the first sentence. That's how far we got. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mikiko and Superfly join Hero in his quest to steal the Daikatana. Real quick, we'll take a quick look at the boss fight. This room that you go into, there's like giant uh, mega brains on the wall that are overlooking the, the Daikatana. So that's that's the first boss fight we're gonna do here, and there are like two little like devil dogs that pop up as as you're trying to grab the daikatana. Yeah, we're watching now. This is what happens when you go and grab the daikatana. Oh, and you have both of your friends by now. Yes, you have Makiko and Superfly. And he's got another daikatana. But that's not possible. Oh, buddy. All right, so Mishima appears, and he's got another daikatana. He's talking whispers, so listen close. You see, I was visiting the year 2030 when I sensed a disturbance in the time continuum. I they're like, we're not even going to try to deal with time travel correctly. It's one of those things that happens when you've got altered timelines. Fortunately for me, your presence here. So you can feel us touch the Daikatana in the time stream. And one that I can quickly dispose of. That. All our words, Butcher. Yeah. Your reign of terror is coming to an end. These two swords are actually one and the same. If they were ever to cross or touch in any way, the world as we know it would cease to exist. And we would all be destroyed. Touch the sword. Touch the sword. Risk that? You can't hide it just, uh, <laughs> Touch tips. Touch tips. <laughs> sword fight. So the line he delivers there is, I'll banish you to the ultimate prison, dot, 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 time. And then immediately Hero goes, no! <laughs> I, I like to think Look, it could have been anything else happen. like space. Okay, I like space. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, Mishima banished us to a different time. And... How would you know that? He's just in a in a mountain right now. Right. Like he'd be like, this mountain couldn't have existed in my time. I definitely know this is the 1400s or 1200s. Well, yeah. To be fair, they probably destroyed all the mountains in the future. So yeah, there's a whole different system of gaining health here. You start with the daikatana and you get the disc, the discus. It's hard to use the sword. 
the environment's different, you know. It's catacombs and skeletons. So it's a big difference. It is cool that they switched up the environment. Yeah. The skeletons seem stupid. Mm -hmm. They make this <laughs> little like biting into apple sounds when you kill them. <laughs> you end up fighting Medusa and recharging the Daikatana <laughs> from Medusa's power. Of course. As you would uh, the of the three time jump once again with that power because the Daikatana can control time and you just sort of use it to warp through time. Yeah, so we did it. We're warping through time and sort of just floating in between time dribble. and space. And Mishima found us. Now we're jabbing at each other. Nice I don't know why, because that would end everything, right? The mystical properties is limited swinging swords at, at each other. Um, no that could potentially end all the time. Take down a master. Yeah, so Mishima so found us Mishima. in the time stream. I guess that's a thing he can do as we travel through time. He can find us. We'll see about that. Now, we, we saw what that looked like on the PC version, but we'll take a quick look at what it looks like in the 64 version, all right? Very psychedelic. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Mishima! I what have never seen on? a worse combination of colors. It looks... I <laughs> love it. It looks terrible. The background of us traveling through time and space is like orange, pink, and yellow, and like this a psychedelic kind of twenty joke. Oh yeah, here we are on four twenty, and he's wearing a suit. It's not. He's not wearing. Yeah, his armor. looks a lot different in the sixty-four version. Yeah, he has like samurai armor. Yeah, why'd they put him in a suit instead <laughs> of a samurai outfit? And they're doing weird slow-mo kicks to each other's stomachs as they glide towards each other. Right, so we're to he almost exists at all times. Right. Outside of time. As a time lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dragons are later, sorry. Um, that's okay, that's how we get sent to the third era. The third era is... So it just happens again? <laughs> like they go to travel and then he's like, no, and sends them somewhere. Oh God. It kind of keeps happening. Okay, so the group uh, finds a sorcerer named, uh, we go to 560 AD in the Dark Ages in Norway. And we go to this town and it seems like there's a bunch of zombies there. All right, so we're gonna watch the cutscene once we find refuge in a church. So we are running away from the village. Hey, a church. This is safe as looking <laughs> bad. Place that here. church. Let's go in. So I'm gonna remind you, they were like um, big, big zombie things. Ugh, those things give me the creeps. That's not all they'll give you if you're not careful. Remember, <laughs> you're the bubonic plague. This stuff's highly contagious. Whole damn village seems to be so they're just so, sick people. I don't know what his perception of the bubonic plague is, but <laughs> oh, they were zombies so, that were like fact, teleporting. Bubonic plague. Everybody thought that that was uh, the rats. It was actually the fleas. Yeah, I have heard that before. That's fun. Yeah, the fleas and the lice. Yeah. Good thing we all speak English. We're on a quest from God. Of a noble nature? No. <laughs> Not, Not so really. much. <laughs> We're just looking to get fucked up tonight. <laughs> Honestly, this old dude just showed up in my place and uh, I just kind of coasted ever since. Musilte is one of the ugliest character models I have ever seen in my life. It's just... <laughs> what's wrong with his face? His hair's all fucked up in the back. 
<laughs> it's just like, come on, guys. It just looks like he's his is the middle of his nose is a black hole just sucking the rest of his face in. Now that we're in the third era, he gives you the most, like, as we were talking before about here's a beginner quest kind of thing that 10 minutes of exposition to say that, like, yeah, we had a king who went mad. Um, he destroyed a purifier that could save the whole village. So I need you to go around and click, collect the seven pieces of the purifier. But before you do that, there's another door I need you to open. There's four pieces of this door. And then he starts sending you on, like, go to this level, this level, this level. So, yeah, I mean, you get here and it just, it sucks all the fun. If there was any fun in the game, it feels like it really sucks the fun out of the the era of this game and the weapons here you know they're i guess they're accurate for the time but um, um uh, I, don't, Chris, I don't know it's I, like crossbows i i yeah but what's the first weapon you get i just fast forward a little bit what's the first weapon it's a claw hand oh it's a claw yeah the silver hand is the the weapon you yeah, get and that's it, the thing that can permanently <laughs> kill the boobanoids i believe they call them which is someone who's been affected by the bubonic plague <laughs> just so you guys know the bubonic the plague it, it caused like cysts on you and it gave you flu-like symptoms and you just died. You didn't turn into a zombie. Yeah, these things are like anyway. lizard monsters. I thought it was I'm like- piling a piling uh, on to poor John Romero. <laughs> I thought it was like a Fallout 3 death claw hand uh, weapon thing. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> so yeah, you restore King Gareth's uh, sanities and he recharges the Daikatana. Uh, Hero and his allies jump through time again and leave the era. I, I mentioned there's a dragon fight on Nintendo 64. Wow, this dragon fight's pretty intense. <laughs> One of them's Charmander. Oh, not Charmander, Charizard. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it does yeah. look like Charizard. You know another, it might have just used the Charizard model, because you know what game came out? Pokemon Stadium. On Nintendo 64 in 2000, Pokemon Stadium, that's right. No It really way. does look ridiculously wow. like Charizard. This game is garbage then, because <laughs> Pokemon Stadium actually looked good. Yeah. Yeah, so they, what happened in this dragon fight was that, like, for some reason, Hero realized that he could summon a dragon. And Mishima is like, what? I guess I can summon a dragon too. And they summon dragons to fight each other. They end up making it to the year 2030. Take a quick peek at what the gameplay in the year 2030 looks like. So San Francisco in the year 2030 has fallen to gangs and martial law has been declared. You're just shooting black uh, guys? <laughs> you are and you have a Glock. Very nice. <laughs> um... <laughs> You fight your way to a naval base where you confront Mishima, who's working on weapons. The ghost of Usagi enters Hiro's body and gives him full control of the Daikatana. And with Usagi's knowledge and skills, with a sword, Hiro slays Mishima. And one of the Daikatana disappears as its timeline no longer exists. So most of this plot I'm grabbing from just straight out of Wikipedia. So credit to Wikipedia. Donate $3 today. You know what? I donated money to Wikipedia once a long time ago, and I feel like now all their content is mine, so I can say everything that's on Wikipedia as much as I want. <laughs> I think that's how it works, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure. You've put me through an awful lot of trouble, hero. Still allying yourself with the rabble I see. He's close to the claw boys, too. It doesn't become someone with your ancestors. Like, uh, oh, you're... You're teaming up with them. It's like, well, this whole time you've been kind of really negative towards me, bud. Riffraff my ass. Riffraff my ass. boss man, and now it's payback time. No one was speaking to you, you savage brute. You should learn to keep your place. Well, why would we just let them hit our uh, our not even trying to defend them. Got to get rid of the side. He just stabbed her between the legs. What the hell? He's touched the sword to fuck everything up. Stand down. Swear your 
Nah, Mishima is hero, but older. Not a chance. Ooh. Oh, that'd be epic. You know, this game has so much exposition for a game that feels like it's like rapid, you know, quick style gameplay. The the cutscenes are so long. And you just don't yeah. care about the... Well, it's because they didn't bother putting any of the story in the gameplay itself. They just you just took like that hit, no problem. Wildly swing at, with the most powerful swords in the universe Why at each other. I can't. Not while the blood of Usagi and all the other Miyamoto Sensen before him runs through my veins. Alright, so... We're taking the Daigatana because Hiro has an idea, and we're doing these slow camera shots of them running through hallways for some reason. Because it looks great when the character models run across the floor. So what exactly do you have in mind, Hiro? Hey, wait a minute. You're not thinking of doing what I think you're thinking, are you? What? You're not thinking, you're not thinking what, what I think you're thinking, thinking, you're thinking, thinking about. Thinking that I knew about. you were thinking about. Tapping into it may be our only choice. That's crazy. I really can't emphasize how bad these character models look. Super, Superfly looks like Meltman from <laughs> yeah. the old uh, Kablam. Yes, he does. Fusion cylinder should do the trick. You know, maybe that's what made uh, Ocarina of Time so good is that, or something that made it work so much better is that uh, Link didn't have to talk. So we never had to see his head bob around trying to sync it up to voiceovers. Have a little faith, Superfly. Faith. Faith is for fools who won't listen to reason. Jesus, come on. Not much of a spiritual man, are you? Considering the life I've led and the horrors I've seen. I'm going to tell you about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> like they could have had him talking while they were running through levels, shooting on shit. No, no, wrong. We need this exposition here. Something's definitely wrong. What the? And we've already been the know? main enemy, right? That stupid zoom. The Daikatana. <laughs> it's gone. What? How is that? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh no! No, it's yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> kills Superfly. Sorry, hero. Spoiler for Daikatana, the 2000 game. <laughs> My God, what have you done? You've seen what the Daikatana can do. Tasted its power firsthand. How can you resist it? It's absolutely. She sounds more Jamaican than <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Tasted its power first hand. <laughs> Kissed a girl. So, yeah, I mean, she's gonna do a bunch of exposition here, but the short of it is, she's saying that the Ibiharas were just as bad as the Mishimas, and she, now that she's seen the power of it, I mean, the goal was always for them, the Ibiharas, to to get control of it, and they change it a little bit, like, no, it wasn't They're actually... just as bad as the Mishimas. Yeah, they, they change... She says that the story that you originally heard was wrong, that it wasn't actually Usagi, uh, like, your ancestor that destroyed the sword. Like, the Ibihara fell, or they tried to steal the sword, but they struggled over the sword, and they fell into the volcano. Anyway, the point is, like, yeah, she's on the bad side, so she's one of the baddies, so you have to fight her. This uh, We're jumping to after the fight now. Oh, look at her body. <laughs> so he said, Hero says oh, it didn't have to come to this. Maybe it won't have to. <laughs> oh, he's gonna change. He's gonna go back in time. Oh. Wow, 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 wow. 
So what we're looking at Wait, now so is Makiko's uh, Makiko's father, who's not dead now, and it's it's Makiko and Superfly who are reporting back after a mission, who are trying to find out some information about a sword, but they were unsuccessful. So it's an alternate timeline where they never found the Daikatana. Maybe that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. And they're commenting that maybe it's a good thing that we never found the sword. Security Chief Johnson speaks wisely. We should stop wasting. Use his first name, Superfly. Is Superfly hovering? What can be more pressing? He has four points in acrobatics. He can levitate. Wow. Alright, now we're back in the swamp. Panning over uh, a marsh. <laughs> yeah, the, some textures from the marsh. So there's a tiny little house. It's got a Mona Lisa. Oh, and the Mona Lisa. <laughs> With the Mona Lisa, another weapon of mass destruction yeah. that Hero had to confiscate. And he's here. He has some weapons and deep underground in a tunnel. The Daikatana, I assume. To put the Daikatana in a glass case deep under the earth. All right. So that's the end of the game. Although I will read that the from the Wikipedia plot, it says that so Hero defeats Makiko, then uses the Daikatana to fix history once and for all, which is very subjective. They keep saying like the things way sh- the, the way history was meant to be, but the Daikatana is never found in 2455. The viral plague is cured in 2030 as it was meant to be. The Mishima never take control of the world, and Hero exiles himself to a forgotten corner of the space-time continuum, safeguarding the Daikatana to ensure that it never falls into the hands of evil. So that's that's our game, Daikatana. Any big impressions there? I mean, I mean it, Frank, since you played it, it. Uh, the gameplay. I mean, it was it was just like a Quake game. You know what I mean? The only thing I could see right. being uh, aggravating is the uh, saving system. You know, and how you needed mm-hmm. to collect a uh, crystal to save. You know, it seemed like overall it wasn't the worst game ever. I could. Yeah. I don't know if I wanted you know ever play through the whole entire thing. Uh, it was honestly, it was a better shooter than Half Life was. And I was better at traversing and uh, doing uh, Ooh, interesting level like platforming because there was some platforming I did in, in uh, Half Life yesterday, and uh, it was it was mm-hmm. easier to do in this. If I had to pick between play mm. this or play Half Life, I'd I'd play this over Half Life. No kidding! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I That's disagree a big personally. I feel like <laughs> I mean, it just you know, yeah. Half Life, to be fair, did come out in 1998. Yeah. But I feel like this game's tech is about 1998. I gotta be honest, I. I just, I mean, just from watching it, I feel like there are some games that just like they land perfectly where they're they're on like the cutting edge of what is new and good. Yeah. And then like some fall behind and like when by the time they come out, they're just like not as relevant anymore. And Daikatana feels more a victim of that than anything else. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like the plot's kind of stupid, but like outside of that, like it's not like it's just this awful, awful game. It was just behind what it should have been for its competition. Yeah, and now we can play it with some sort of like uh, filter of nostalgia, right? And we're not exactly sure like in 2000, was this, was this okay in 2000? But most, I don't know, still like most of the textures, the people's faces, everything, everything looks like garbage and it's hard to get past that for me. <laughs> (laughs) even if that was like okay at the time yeah everyone does look very Um, horrific so 
most games these days are never <laughs> like truly in their final form. The 64 version of this game was when it came out, I suppose, but like PC games are obviously regularly getting updated and Daikatana was no exception to that. This version that you can get on Steam right now um, is actually the, a better version of the game. This is 1.2. Um, but that brings me to a group of Daikatana super fans out there. Um, one in particular from Germany. Um, maybe he likes taking buses. Who can say? But um, PC <laughs> Gamer has a really interesting article titled the Meet the Super Fans Who Spent a Decade Bringing Daikatana Back to Life. Yeah, it's a really interesting article if you're into that kind of thing. But he was committed to making Daikatana the best version it could be. It goes through their like this group's journey of self-taught coding, sending a hard drive to John Romero. And he put the original source code on it for them and sent it back. And then they had problems compiling it. And it took them like years to, to work with the original source files again. And they actually have a community that plays online every weekend. Um, and maybe I'll jump on with them. Um, in December 2019, they released the latest version. We're still now? Yes. In December 2019, they released the latest uh, 1.3 patch for this game. And I'm actually going to launch it on my screen. It much higher resolution. They, they've done a ton of changes um, with this, including uh, the ability to turn sidekicks on and off. It, it definitely looks nicer. It's, it's a Steam broadcast, so it looks like, you know, what it looks like, but it, it looks appropriate on this um, in, in 2020 now. Like, it's it's higher res tex textures as well as running in full resolution your monitor can support. Um, yeah, it looks good. Do the teammates die? Is that a the, thing? Yes, that's the biggest problem with the teammates is that they're, they get in the way. They We saw on Frank's screen that Superfly punched and killed something. I had never seen any of my sidekicks through hours of playing this game ever do any damage. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a problem. Um, they die very easily. Um, it seemed like part of the pitch for the game was that they're there with you and they're helping you solve puzzles. And yet me playing through the entire game, I can only recall one thing where it was like, okay, I need my teammate to stand on this button while I go do something. The rest of it, like, no, didn't, didn't need them. Yeah. Hmm. Just did not need them. With the implementation of 1.3 patch, it is now very possible and somewhat enjoyable to do speed runs, which fits this kind of game well, right? Like for a, a Quake Doom style game. So you can go ahead and start up that speed run and, and just watch what it looks like. I don't know what it is about speed runs. I, uh, I, I find myself watching speed run videos and I'm like, wow, they did that section in 23 seconds. I'm like, wait a second. I've never played this game before. I don't know if that's yeah. good, <laughs> but I like watching well, speed runs anyway. It does seem like he's moving much faster. Or yeah. am, I, am I No, crazy no, he's, he's, doing a, he's doing a bunny hop thing um, that can, keeps your character at a faster speed. Um, you guys into any speed runs? Ever thought you've been good enough to at a game to do a speed run on it? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, no. I've watched them, but no, I've, never, I've never tried them. But no. I like watching them. I don't have the patience. Yeah, I like. Watching I like them watching. Too. I like watching the videos where they figure out the glitch that yes. jumps the time from like you know yeah six I, I hours to twenty three minutes. But yeah, just I love how they figure them out and then how it takes people like months to figure out exactly which frame and where to right. clip and yep. everything. I only have one other note here. It's just I thought I'd mention since they treat the bubonic plague as if it turns people into zombies. True um, fact. And we see it in an area that they call the 1400s. Uh, it was also called the Black Death, Pestilence, or the Plague. It swept across Eurasia and North Africa, killing 75 to 200 million people, peaking from 1300 
1347 to 1351. So not 1400s. It was the 14th century, but uh, not the 1400s as this game would have you believe. Um, They didn't really understand germs or diseases, but they did coin the term quarantine during this period. Any any guesses what that that means? What, 40? Or, yeah, it's like 40 days. Yes, very good, Hunter. Yeah, so it comes from the term quarantena, which is Venetian language meaning 40 days, which is what they would impose upon travelers. There was also a tritena, which was used in Damascus for a 30-day waiting Just period. Just imagine you've been like, fact, right? you've been on a, <laughs> on a boat for like months crossing oceans. You've got scurvy. And then you get to port and you're like, oh, I'm so ready to stretch my legs in 40 days when they let me off <laughs> yeah. this boat. Yeah, but either way, yeah, they they just died of bubonic plague, not um, grosso, low-quality texture zombies with that uh, teleport around, and you can't kill unless you have silver hand. As far as you know. But that's, uh, as far as I know, there's no records from that time. No, there's plenty of records. So um, we didn't really get to experience the problems with sidekicks, but that was really what a lot of people leaned into, the issues with this game, how how problematic they were and how annoying they were that they would die. And uh, people also hated on the save system, the giving yourself crystal. Crystals. I think even if they just didn't have crystals at all, and it was like you just got to get from one, you know, transition to another, and that's your save point. That would have been better than. But also, I didn't find the game super difficult. Um, I don't know how you felt it was, Frank. I mean, I, we saw you die a few times, but it's not like it was like, oh, I, I can't possibly finish this game. Yeah, it's no, so it, difficult. It was. Uh, um, it, it's nothing like I, that. I really feel like you know, if I paid more attention and kind of focused a little bit, you know, it really could have been a breeze for the most part. Yeah. You, you know, once you kind of figure out things, it's. It's not that yeah. complicated a game. Any any thoughts on the plot? Enjoy the time travel aspects. I, I think anytime you introduce time travel, like I don't know, you, you know it's going to get convoluted. And yeah. I, I mean, we didn't get to fully dive into the kind of different um, weapon enemies. In which case, like maybe it nailed it. Did it, Chris? Do you know? I dude? can tell you a few, few few of the weapons. So from the ancient Greece era, yeah, you had that throwing disc. You get a Eye of Zeus staff, which fires Ooh. lightning bolts in all directions. Um, usually at your ally and killing them instantly. <laughs> Again, that's a common theme throughout the weapons in this game that like they'll usually kill you and your ally. Um, <laughs> you also get Poseidon's trident, which fires like poison darts. And there's some projectiles you get in that era also. Then in the Dark Ages, you have a ballista, a bolter, which is like Van Helsing's uh, crossbow. And uh, then you have a, like a couple staffs that do like insanely powerful things. But again, mostly just end up killing you again and then in the near future near future the san fran which is 2030 yeah you get a glock 2020 you get a pulse rifle and then there's a minigun that looks like it's straight out of doom so yeah that's that's the that's all the weapons that are in this game i think it was a total of 30 weapons so, or so. maybe they i feel like you've said this before but if you're gonna go time travel you could have you could have gone more distinct right I think we might have, the speed run we're watching in the background, I think I already got past it. You go from the crematorium through the processing center. The processing center, it turns out that they're making McMishima burgers out of human. So that's the big what? reveal that's, I think, supposed to be shocking and be like, wow, wow. this game's so gory. It's going places I couldn't imagine. What, what I totally didn't even get that when I saw it. Where, uh, Soiling yeah. green is people. Soiling yeah. green. Any other thoughts on the graphics, the the audio, the RPG elements? I mean, of the it? RPG elements are kind of near <laughs> non-existent. Given that, I mean, you yeah. were saying that like it barely makes a difference when you do each 
um, upgrade. And that's just not my opinion. Yeah, that's everyone said that. (laughs) RPG doesn't simply mean upgrading certain elements. It's a role-playing game. Yeah, you have a set character. You're not like creating your own role. Exactly. Ideally, in a role-playing game, like you would be making some choices that would, you know, definitively describe like your own character in this game. This is just like a first-person story-driven shooter. Oh, you know what? I I forgot. There is something you guys can win today. I thought it closely. Is it a real katana from feudal uh, Japan? (laughs) I found a 3D model of a trash can and printed it on the lowest (laughs) resolution allowable for my 3D printer. Yeah, it looks real nasty. I have a eighth inch size. Uh, poster of John Romero is about to make you his bitch uh, that can be inserted inside the trash can. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and that is the award for this evening. Oh <laughs> man, I, started and I printed hard. it at the I printed it at the very last minute, much like this game, and I had to rush it on low textures, most like much like this game. So I think it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Metacritic score. Oh, this is for the 64 version. It's, Sorry. It's out oh, of 64 right? version. Out of 100 That's even the 64 lower. version. Yes. It only has three reviews. I'm going to say 32. 32. Hunter, what you got over there? I'll go 20. Frank, what do you think? I'm going 10. Wow. <laughs> 10. <laughs> well, he has picked back up maybe on a new streak. Tom, what? congratulations. It was 39. What? Was wow. the average wow. review on Metacritic. That I've actually junk? got the, um, I, I pulled my May 2000 issue of EGM magazine, and they also have a Daikatana review here. The four reviews they have here by Crispin, Shu, Sean, and John are all very confused that this game came out before the PC version and seems to be worse in all ways than the PC version. Yeah. Uh, Shu, who gave it a 3.0 said if action games can get any more dry and monotonous and annoying than this then kill me now please Daikatana <laughs> falls way short of the mark the levels are drab unimaginative the action and gameplay have plenty to be desired you can salvage a lousy single player experience by pumping it up with cool multiplayer features but that is something this game definitely does not have the options and no variety mean no good score for this poop <laughs> all right and for a section called someone else's treasure it holds a four on amazon uh 46% are five star from um, Steam, though, we have a review by a gentleman named Fernando N. He says, listen, everyone, this is the best game ever. All those freaky guys that write bad about the game, they don't know anything. I think they're using <laughs> drugs to say something like that. Then, several months later, oh, I'm sorry, seven years later, we have Fernando F. who says, I agree with Fernando N. This is one of the best games I've ever played. <laughs> the game graphics and sound are simply unparalleled. There may be a few glitches in AI, <laughs> but it's still the most addictive game I've ever played. Seriously, this gave the, a bad score? Get a clue. <laughs> there are quite a few reviews, both on Amazon and Steam, that talk about the 1.3 version, the kind, the, what we looked at, best version of the game that's out there. One more review from Amazon here from Steven. He says, always good for a laugh. For years, my best friend and I have been embroiled in a rivalry of prank exchanges involving this game. For holidays, we would buy copies and hide our real gifts inside the box, finding whatever clever way to fool the other one. One year, I put in Daikatana inside of an empty 360 box. It's been our rickroll of gifting. So, Frank, that's why I've given you this game, because we do have a continuing thing of me giving you uh, action figures <laughs> from Phantom Menace every, every Christmas. So I'm I thought I could, I thought every I could give you one more crappy gift. Oh, yeah. And now that you share a household with, with your wife and she has to, uh, you know, make room for terrible Star Wars <laughs> gifts. This is something that won't take up room in your house. It's on my hard drive. It's just uh, on your PC. It's going to you know. take up time because he's going to start playing it. 
I gotta be this guy's <laughs> speed run. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things he's slacking on here. I, could, I really could chop off some time. There's not a lot of competition, so yeah, you, yeah. So that's the end of a that's the end of Daikatana notes I have here. Well, it's time to give the game of Garbage Valley a score. And as a quick explanation, you can rate the games on a zero to ten scale. Zero being completely worthless and a waste of your time. It has no enjoyment. You have your tens that are masterpieces, Ocarina of Time, Golden Eye at the time, maybe. And you have your garbage. That's a zero. But sometimes when a game becomes so bad it's enjoyable again, it circles back around to be a negative 10. You can just get just as much enjoyment as you would out of Ocarina. But because it's so bad and you're enjoying how bad the game is. So, guys, what do you think? I am, uh, I'm going to say a positive three. I, I do think that the time traveling idea and using different weapons is like a cool idea. And like him trying to have radically different maps is a cool idea i just think that like it just didn't hit the mark that it should have hit you know yeah and um it just didn't hit any mark that it should have so right yeah three hunter that's me three um i think i'd have to go around like a four or five honestly like again not having played it it's kind of hard to judge it on the controls so i'm just just judging it by what i saw and what we talked about i love time travel anything to begin with some of my favorite movies are time travel movies some like my favorite games deal with the same kind of concept so that off the bat's fun the story i guess if we rate it separately the story (laughs) is what i would give like a negative five too because i feel like the story is straight up just like so bad it's good like ah this is a time traveling daikatana it's like uh (laughs) what's it teenage mutant ninja turtles three and they oh, go back God, to I feudal so, yeah. era Japan. Yeah. Um, I think three, yeah. So, like, I, I love those kinds of movies, and, and I appreciate... <laughs> That's a great the, movie. <laughs> I appreciate the so bad that it's good kind of, like, idea of just, like, us. we're in the future, uh, we've been to the past, we've got a katana that lets us travel through time. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. And yeah. I almost feel like maybe John Romero kind of had that in mind where it's just like uh, nobody's going to care about the story of this game Maybe. we're just going to make it, yeah, it seems time like they travel put a lot of effort into it because it was parts of it were so long but but yeah no there seems to be like a tongue-in-cheekness of it that like like who knows how time travel works and they but just like, don't if care you, <laughs> if you really put the effort of the story into the game i feel like you would you would have it told throughout the game and throughout yeah. the gameplay and not as like 10 minute expositions every you know once you're once you're done with the fun part of the game now it's time to watch a video about what you just did and (laughs) what you're about to do you know when you told me to play doom i was like all right i guess i'll you were like play for five minutes and i was just like am i gonna even be able to like sit here and play this game for five and i've played it for like i think an hour now and like i might actually go back because i was like i think i got like halfway through but i could see myself at least being like well i started this and i kind of want to see where it goes and i want to see these trippy dragon fights and the main negative to me which we didn't really get to experience was the sidekicks it's just so often you'd be running around like okay i'm doing pretty well in this level and you just didn't know that your sidekick got surrounded by bad guys because they're so bad at following you um and then like okay, maybe i need them for this puzzle and like oh i found the end of the level but where are they why can't i open a door to let them in here was that part of the level design 
or is it just complete lack of level design? Yeah, that, that was the most frustrating part to me. I, I played a lot of it. I, I didn't enjoy a ton of it. I thought parts of it were funny because like the, the dialogue was so bad and the 64 version is, I think would get a lot more enjoyment, like bad enjoyment out of it. But yeah, but this for me, I think I would have to give it like a negative two as well. That's one of the things that's different about like this whole quarantine thing is usually you play the whole game and you have like a bunch of save files and we can kind of yeah. play each aspect. We didn't make it to the terrible, horrible sidekicks and that could have altered, you know, it yeah. goes from being so, so bad it's fun to just what is this? steaming hot garbage yeah yeah frank you who actually played it this evening i, I don't know I, i'm torn you know i no problem with it really for the most part um but uh for the little part that i did have a sidekick i could easily see how this, this could become an issue frank do you do you also feel like you're torn by your complete misunderstanding of the yeah. garbage game night? So with that, uh, I have to give it a perfect 10. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. It's Do I go negative or do I go positive? I'm really torn because it's really, you know, mm. as far as gameplay wise, it's all kind of positive for the most part. Um, the only negatives are really just the yeah. story, you know, the uh the graphics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, thank God we played the PC version. I, I don't know what I'd do if we played the, the, the 64. Yeah. The 64. It's hard to get a hold of apparently, bad. just because it's so famously bad. Yeah, I can. I, I can yeah, understand. John Romero that. did. I did say that the uh, that version of the 64 was just utter trash, and he just completely wrote it off. Yeah, so that's interesting insight from him. <laughs> oh, that hunk of junk. It's, he he made it and sold it to. You know, a bunch of people and made money off of it, but he wrote it off, so that's yeah, nice. That's, that's real nice of him. What a, what a swell guy. Um, what was what was your final score there? So don't worry, this Frank. Is going people down in the barely books. even consider your score, buddy. <laughs> There's going to be a podcast in 20 years that comes back and looks at our scores. What? Got to pick a this number. This is the What's hardest decision say? I've What's ever made say? in my life. All right. I got to be up for work wow. and like. Four oh. hours. So. Yeah, this is recording. Working way guy, working hunter. I want to. I want to do a four, and I just don't know negative four, or positive four. I just. Four. Oh wow. I just because it wasn't that bad, but it is bad. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's. Uh, you know, actually, I'm gonna take some points off. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna do that. Um, but I did see a shark. <laughs> In one level. So I'm going to add some points back for the shark. Um, so <laughs> okay. I think when we plus and minus points. Carry the two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a guy named uh, Superfly. Superfly, <laughs> Superfly Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, Superfly Johnson. That's additional points. So I guess after the plus and minus thing, I'll go with a four. A four. Okay. A positive four. All right, there Positive. we have it. There are our scores. Should there be a Daikatana too? John Romero has been hinting at that he wants to do another FPS. What do you think? Should they bring back Daikatana? No. Should they reboot it? Or uh, no. no? No, but one point three <laughs> looks really great. From, uh, <laughs> that was a great like the guy who did yeah, that. No, he should very he should... easy to install one point three. I'm I'm gonna try. I think they do games on Sundays. I'm gonna see if I can find when they're doing a game and jump jump on their multiplayer server. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> that. That yeah, no, that it's, be too, fun. it's too it's too convoluted. Just. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, yeah, this has been Daikatana, our our most famous bad game that we've done on Garbage Game Night. 
And uh, yeah, next next episode comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. I have a great idea. We're going to have lots of special guests on here with us. So thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Oh, okay. There's What's still that? a oh, trash can. Oh, who won? Oh, no. There's still a trash every can. Every time we forget. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Well, you guys don't because you guys we'll know you got to be awarded a trash can. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> who doesn't want a trash hmm. can and a teeny tiny <laughs> poster to put who? in the trash can? About this trash can launch. <laughs> a trash can. Um, you know, I, I wanted to keep it open for anyone, even though there's one player playing the game this evening. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Frank did a good job playing for us this evening. Aww. And uh, I agree. Even eating his, his hot dogs and mac and cheese or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, well, why put the uh, mac and cheese on the hot dog? We didn't hear him chew one time hot on the Hot dogs and mac and cheese. We didn't hear him chew one time on yeah. the mic. So for that, I'm going to give Frank Plus, <laughs> like, like Honestly, I wouldn't. Aw, so sweet. I wouldn't take anything <laughs> from you right now. <laughs> you know, with everything going on. Wow. What's going on? <laughs> well, outside, Chris. There's things you, going you on would outside. accept. Does Chris have it? Is he might. infected? But, well, you know, I mean, to, to limit my chances of getting it. I've been going it, out I, quite a bit too much. You decline. know what I mean? I mean, yeah, actually, I probably have it. I work like 40 hours a week still. Yikes. Yeah, no. Mm. I probably got cases it. have gone from like 1,000 a day down to 800 a day. So it's basically gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we should reopen everything. No, let's not get into this political debate. It's, it's 1220 a.m. as of this. 1220 a.m. the day after 420. Yeah. So thank yeah. you, everyone, for joining us on Garbage Game Night. <laughs> All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. copyright fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Garbage Game Night makes no claims to ownership over any games played and has no affiliation with any developer or publishing company. For additional references on cited articles and quotes, check our episode-related blog at garbagegamenight.com. Or if you have a comment about the game we reviewed or have a suggestion, drop us a line.